It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. And here we go. Welcome into another week of Rothman and Ice. Matty Ice in the house. And our guy Eric Reeser back in the building filling in for Anthony. E, what's going Happy on, man? Monday. How, How we feeling? <laughs> feeling pretty well. Doing pretty good. Excited to get into this. This is the this is actually the first Monday that now has football to look forward to this weekend. So we just have to make it to Saturday, and then there is college football waiting for you, ladies so, and gentlemen. So we got football every weekend mm-hmm. from now until the confetti drops on the last NFL team standing. Yes. How does that feel? It feels really good. Feels great, doesn't it? It's a nice little thing to look forward to as we sit here at noon oh two on a Monday morning. So much, so much to get into. Week zero is here. You touched on it last <laughs> week. It's such a, it's such a weird term. Let's call it week one. We'll call it week one. That's what I like to roll with. Nebraska at Illinois, I think, is the one that will, uh, you know, garner a lot of my attention at yep. least because of the seat that's very warm under the butt. That is Scott Frost up there in Nebraska, and if old Brett Bielema and company they rack up a dub against the Cornhuskers this weekend. The noise around Nebraska would, is going to be so loud, and I'm kind of here for the chaos. But, man, they got to come out e, and show the world why they brought in Scott Frost and why there was, a few years ago now, a lot of buzz around Adrian Martinez. I can't wait to see it, man. I can't imagine Scott Frost's seat being any hotter. I wonder kind of why they even you know bothered bringing him back this season. But yeah. then the thing that came out last week was, they, Nebraska was working together with the NCAA to uh, look into uh, uh, practices they yep. had and the, that weren't permitted by the NCAA and then assistants that they had brought on that were supposed to help them with the football thing, but they were really bad at doing the football <laughs> last season. So you wonder exactly what was the point of all of that if not to just try not to suck. Right. And I, I imagine that's what Nebraska's looking to do this season because that's their ceiling, right? Just don't suck. Yeah. But they might suck real hard, especially going against Oklahoma. And then after that, been like week going into week five, they're one and four, and they fire him. Yeah, they might. It's a possibility. I think everything's on the table. He's the first coach gone this season from a Power Five school, and I think Vegas is pointing to that direction as well. But there's a lot on the table, man. Yeah, and there's a, so much pressure around that program. Those fans are always supportive. They're always going to be be there. They've been there. But, man, I can't wait to see what this looks looks like because Illinois is bringing back a veteran team. They got a bunch of super seniors, guys that are committed to the program and want to get off the mat and show that last year really isn't who they are. So college football is here. We got a lot to get into coming at you today. A lot of stuff happening in the NFL with preseason off and running. And, you know, we're inching closer and closer to week one. Uh, Reds making some noise in the playoff race now. Uh, Has a fun guest coming at you today. To cover it all, man, we really got a lot to get into. Jason B. Hershorn, award-winning NFL and college football writer from SB Nation. He hops on at 1233. We go behind enemy lines at 133 uh, with Zach Shaw, who covers Michigan for 24-7 sports. And then we'll lock in on the Buckeyes at 233 with Bill Rabinowitz. Speaking of the Buckeyes, it's official. And I don't know if anybody was surprised outside of Columbus or anybody was surprised that really follows the college football world on a daily and weekly basis. But now we know uh, Saturday it came down. See, Dish Stroud's going to be your 2021 starter for the Buckeyes. And I think the breadcrumbs were always there going back to last year. 
when Justin Fields had to come out for a few snaps or you had the Michigan State situation uh, where, you know, C.J. Stroud came in and had that nice long run. There were always signs that this dude was on deck, if you will, that this was the guy that's coming up next. And we know that this is a program that's recruited at a very high level, specifically at the quarterback position under Coach Day and now under Coach Dennis with his fingerprints all over these quarterbacks. But now this is the dude. And I go back to the announcement that was Chris Olave coming back for another year and how surprised I was at the time when when that announcement came down. And it reminded me of a year prior where Travis Etienne Mm -hmm. ran it back again with Clemson. And I'm thinking, what else does this dude need to prove on the collegiate level? And obviously with Chris Olave, not a whole lot. I wouldn't wouldn't have been surprised if he was a first-round pick in this, this past draft. But when he decided to do that, that told me that he had confidence in somebody in over at the Woody to really sustain the level of greatness that we've seen over the last couple of years when it comes to this offense, mainly from the quarterback position and the wide receivers have absolutely been balling. So when Chris Olave did that, that was like, okay, it's either Kyle McCord, Jack Miller, or CJ Stroud, obviously the guys that have been around. He knows one of those dudes can go. He knows one of those dudes is a baller. And I don't know if it was specifically this guy, but what we had last year with Coach Day throwing him in the fire when he needed to, and now that we have this official statement, man, I think we're in store for for some really good things from CJ. You saw it in the college football semifinal. Fields goes out for a couple minutes. Everybody within Buckeye Nation is just holding their collective breath. And CJ Stroud, you know, comes onto the field. It was kind of unknown at the time how bad Fields' injury was. Turns out it it hurt. And I think he had a a couple broken ribs or (sighs) something close to that. So it it hurt like hell, but he still came out uh, and performed that way in body bag in Clemson. But it was Stroud that was out there. And then for the spring game, we all saw who had the best command of those three quarterbacks that you mentioned uh, of Ryan Day's offense. And it was C.J. Stroud. Now, we all saw Kyle McCord and we're like, what? He's pretty good. But (laughs) that's still a year off. And then the whole Quinn Ewers thing uh, is the tsunami that kind of fills into that room. And so for Olave, knowing all of that, I think did give him the confidence uh, that he would have in Ryan Day and in the coaching staff to get him, you know, enough enough throws to get him enough receptions to get him to have more game tape uh, to put in front of, you know, NFL scouts. Mm Because this past draft was pretty wide receiver heavy. The first 10 picks I'm just looking at, I think if I'm doing the math correctly, it was three in the first or two in the first two in the first 10. No, three in the first 10. Excuse me. Sorry, Devontae Smith. And so Chris Olave, while great as he is, wasn't any of those dudes. It wasn't Waddle, Chase, or Smith. Smith won the damn Heisman. So <laughs> yeah. for him to make that business decision to come back and to also have the just massive amount of talent you have with this Ohio State football team is going to help him and Garrett Wilson make that jump up draft boards. It, again, I don't know how much further they can go than what, like five or six or seven that we're seeing right now. But that's still you know a couple million dollars that they're adding to their bags as well as a chance for a national championship. So what, so what I'm looking for is can he maybe not copy and paste exactly what we saw from Justin, but in the category of taking care of the rock, mm-hmm. taking care of the rock. I thought Justin did an incredible job over his couple of seasons here at Ohio State. And sure, we had a couple hiccups in there, right? Obviously, the Indiana game is going to jump out to a lot of people from last year with the struggles that we saw from him. But overall, when you look back at the career of Justin Fields, you're talking about nine interceptions total between 2019 and 2020. And that isn't a guy that's dinking and dunking. We also saw in a Ryan Day offense, they want to have explosive plays down the field. They're going to have Garrett Wilson and obviously Chris Olave cooking corners more times than not. And that's going to create big plays 
down the field. And so deep ball accuracy, but more importantly, just taking care of the football. Because regardless of C.J. Stroud being able to contribute in the downfield passing attack, what he's going to have is an incredible offensive line in front of him, a nice stable of running backs, and the best duo in college football when it comes to wide receiver play and Olave and Wilson and some young dudes mixed in between there that are going to be ballers as well. So really, E, that's all I'm looking for early. Is yeah. You talk about this week one matchup against Minnesota, week two against Oregon is I don't need it to be over the top flashy, no. but can we get a quarterback that's going to go out there and just be consistent and take care of the pigskin? I think it's going to be the most important part because if he does that, this offense is going to put up points almost at will. Well, the quarterback that's never thrown a pass in a college game uh, needs a lot of security blankets, needs a lot of, you know, they're not necessarily checkdowns, but we'll call them checkdowns for fun's sake. And he's, he's got that around him. He'll have Jeremy Ruckert at the tight end spot. It yep. looks Cade Stover might be taking that other double tight spot. And, and for the first two games of the season, I have enough faith sitting here that Ohio State with the talent up front of that offensive line. And Ryan Day said they're pretty close to saying uh, Nicholas Petit Ferrer at left guard, Thayer Munford at uh, left tackle for NPF Thayer at left guard Harry Miller center Paris Johnson jr. at Right guard <laughs> Dewan Jones at right tackle. So just a mountain of men yeah. that can block and create enough openings for master Teague to just bludgeon the gophers and then bludgeon the ducks to death two weeks in a row. And then you can start to play with the offense mm-hmm. and kind of play with what Stroud can do and what he's comfortable with. Cause this isn't breaking news to anybody. The big Ten's really bad <laughs> and they're going to be really bad this season. That's going to open up opportunities for Stroud to work out kinks and to iron out flaws in his game mm-hmm. that will prepare him for that first week in December, the big 10 title game, and then into the college football playoff. Cause that's where the expectations are with yeah. this program. It's no lower than that. No doubt. And I've been kind of on our show waving the flag a little bit on this Minnesota game. Not as far as upset alert or anything goes like that. Could you imagine? But I I don't think I want to be here (laughs) next Friday if that's going to be the case. But I think when you have a situation like that, and obviously last year was such a one-off for all of us, but mainly these guys when it comes to the environments they're playing in. And just on a weekly basis, who's playing, who's not, what coach is going to be here, what coach is not. It was just absolutely wacky last year. But now you talk about this dude who gets a ton of great work in practice, good on good. It's elite, obviously, what he's going up against in practice every day at Ohio State. But I have to imagine there's going to be some body shock there. Just a little bit early on, on the road, the world is watching to see exactly what you're going to do. Because you're the guy now. You are the face of a big-time brand around college football, but the environment that is Minnesota and this young guy stepping into live game reps, I can't wait to see what that looks like. Now, Minnesota's defense last year was terrible. It was bad. Now, the returning guys from that defense, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but just going off of last year's Minnesota squad, they couldn't hold up at all. So I think that's going to be beneficial. I'm not worried about this Ohio State offense, but just to see how a young dude, his first time on the road, with fans in the stands and a squad that had a whole offseason to prepare for this offense, how does he respond early? I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of tricks and and, and how. I, I see this as being much like with Rutgers last year, where if P.J. Fleck has any chance to keep it remotely close with Ohio State, he's got to go to some sort of trickeration, or they've got to kind of take Indiana's blueprint defensively and, and mix up their coverages and mix up how they, how and who they send. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they have the ponies necessarily to do that because Indiana had some dogs last year, but it's going to take a lot of unconventional football from the Gophers to keep it interesting with Ohio State, in my opinion. And that's to where a, 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 a new quarterback, it, it's you wonder how that response is going to be. Yeah. Like you said, under the lights, 
rabid fans yeah. who haven't been allowed at stadiums for an entire year. These are college kids. So if it's an 8, eight, eight o'clock game, they're going to be drinking at 2 o'clock. And <laughs> right, the atmosphere right. there is going to present itself as such to where if your guy under center isn't dialed in, mm-hmm. problems could arise. No doubt. And look, I think the offense next week, that's not a, a high level of concern no. for me. I think when you look on the other side of the ball, though, what Minnesota is bringing back is probably the most seasoned quarterback in the Big Ten West and yeah. Tanner Morgan. Maybe not the best, but the most seasoned. He's been around for a hot minute. Uh, Mo Ibrahim coming out of the backfield can make a case that he is the most productive running back in the Big Ten yes. if he really wanted to dig in on that. Now, what they replace at the wide receiver position, I think is a bit of an unknown there with them losing Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman over the last couple of seasons. But that defense is going to be put to the test. So C.J. Stroud, I think what we talked ourselves through is what's around him with his talent will lead to a bunch of success. It's just early in the off season to where you're not looking across the line and it's the zips or the Falcons <laughs> from the Mac. You know what I mean? It's it not those be. teams. Eventually we get there, but the first couple of weeks it's the Gophers and the ducks and then the ducks. He's going to have a top five pick foaming at the mouth and cave Thibodeau trying to yes. take his face mask off in week two. So those are just early tests, which I think later on in the season will be very beneficial for him. Wanted to run this by E. I saw this from Aaron Torres who covers college hoops and college football over at Fox. He dropped this tweet uh, over the weekend. Little note for Ohio state football fans talked with a former NFL pro bowl wide receiver this week who has worked with CJ Stroud. His quote He throws the ball better than a bunch of guys that get paid on Sundays to do it. So that's big time stuff right there coming from a former Pro Bowl wide receivers to hear. And and he's obviously seen that this dude can deliver the rock uh, right now better than dudes we watch on Sundays. Well, he's much better, I think, than Andy Dalton. We dunking on Andy already? I, I think okay. we can start the first segment off with a, a solid dunk on Dalton. Every week it gets closer. It gets easier, I think, for Matt Nagy to say, no, nah, it's, it's Fields' time. He can walk all of that back yeah. just with his actions uh, and, and do the right thing with this. Fields I, had a message for the Bears fan base. I heard we'll that. get to that next. And you'll also hear from Coach Day, who did some talking over the weekend about his squad as we get closer and closer to Minnesota, baby. Football is here, folks. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Rothman and Ice is sponsored by your local Pella Window and Door showroom on Gemini Parkway. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. A former country club tennis pro and a high school baseball player. Don't be too impressed. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in. Matty Ice, Eric Reese are hanging out with you today. Hope you guys had a great weekend. I can't wait for the following Saturday. I keep thinking maybe next week's home, but it's on the road. Man, you get the tailgates popping. The smell of the grills in the air. Seeing dudes doing keg stands out there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be. We're back, man. College football. We're absolutely back. So I'm just fingers crossed that. You know, we can make it through everything smoothly. Yep. There's things out there there's stuff that we don't need to get into, <laughs> there is stuff. but there's still stuff out there uh, that can obviously affect what we do and what the college football world this looks season, like. There's always just going to be stuff, of course. And so everybody, and I know Day was talking about it today, said, you know, around it's less than 10 players haven't been vaccinated and those guys are getting t- tested twice a week, but that's still a really good number. I think he was saying that. 
you know, they, they had him above 90 percent, you know, in terms of vaccination rates a couple of weeks ago. Jim Harbaugh said about 98 percent of his team. So it looks like everybody within the Big Ten's doing the right thing and moving in the right direction so that we can have all of that so wonderful about college football and, yeah. and have that this year and then make sure that it's just in the rear view. While we're there, let's get every, give everyone the latest on the Big Ten and, you know, COVID and all that stuff. The Big Ten uh, looks look, there won't be rescheduling games if teams are unable to play due to COVID-19. So that's out there. I think there's a better feeling around the sport and where we are with this, but you can look at some things happening in the NFL and just all of that, that can still, I can, I can understand why some people would have a level of concern, but look, I'm not surprised the big Ten's last to hop (laughs) in on this. Are you No, not surprised at all that they're last to get in on this? So, there it is. The conference announced Monday that if a team is unable to play a football game as scheduled this fall due to COVID, the game will be considered a forfeit and will not be rescheduled. So I think that's the consensus around college football there. ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, SEC, Big 10 is last to join the party. So fingers crossed either yep. we don't get um, any of that this season. Let's get to Ryan Day. He did speak this weekend. CJ Stroud is going to be your starter for 2021. Here's Coach Day on the reaction from CJ. He was excited for sure and fired up. But, you know, he's not an over overly um, you know emotional guy in those type of situations. I think he knows that this is just an opportunity. It's not um, it's not an accomplishment. It's an opportunity, and I think he looked at it like that. So now we got to go about the business of going to put it on the field. We're also curious to see what type of player he's going to be consistently. But I think something Coach Day just touched on is interesting to me: is how's he wired? What type of leader is this guy going to be is he a vocal guy is he a rah-rah guy is he after throwing a touchdown a dude that's gonna dab and do all that type of stuff or is he hey give the rock right to the referee and keep it pushing like all of those things are important to me because i think you know a team can take the form of sometimes a coach yes. and their and their leader and sometimes being the quarterback not the biggest deal but i do think that if you have a quarterback that has some edge a little bit there has some fire underneath him that can work for a team, but obviously it can work the other way because when you have a quarterback that gets into some sticky situations and you got guys in that huddle looking at him in the eyes and they see that he's cool, calm, and collected, that's obviously beneficial too. So those little things, I can't wait to find out about them. you got to find the right temperature. If a guy runs too hot or, or runs too cold, because there will be some scenarios this season, Buckeye fan, that just be calm from what I'm about to say or it's okay. There will be some situations where Ohio State's going to face some adversity. And it's just how he's able to lead at least the offense uh, can you know boil over to the defensive side. And so if, if you're calm, cool, and collective under center, your offensive line's calm, cool, and collective, then it, it moves over to the defense and the guys on the sidelines. And that really does have to start for your quarterback. And right, he doesn't have to be a rah-rah guy, but just in listening to comments from Stroud over the past month or so, there is a confidence there. There's a dude who knows he's the dude. Mm-hmm. And James says this all the time on the show that precedes this one, that you can't fool the locker room. And I think Stroud has been the guy in the locker room to really say, I'm the dude, Mm -hmm. and this is my team. He should have a ton of confidence. The dude's been a baller since going back to Rancho Cucamon Mm -hmm. in high school. He knows that he is built to hold this thing down, and now it's absolutely his time. Now, this obviously creates a domino effect. And CB, let's hear from Coach Day on the current status of the QB, too. We're going to just keep working through this week to, to see uh, how the guys do, you know, and that's a big part for, for Kyle, for Jack, for Quinn, for, for all the guys in that room to, to continue to work. And then, you know, we'll kind of, as we get into the, uh, the game week, we'll kind of figure what, figure out what that, what that is. Um, 
you know, on a week-to-week basis. So, uh, th- again, there's a lot of development still in that with those guys, and they'll continue to work at it. And, and as we get closer to the game, we'll probably put that together. One of the most used cliches in football is you're one snap away. But it's the God's honest truth. It's black and white, yep. but it's so real. And CJ found himself <laughs> he did. in that situation a year ago to where, oh, man, I got to go in against Clemson. It's time to roll. Like, I got to hold this thing down. Now, it was for a very small sample size, but that mindset is so important to stay locked in. But at the time, when Fields goes out with the, the rib injury after Skalski gets him with his helmet, we, like, we don't know. Yeah. As, as a fan base, as a college football world, there was no knowledge of, of how bad it could mm-hmm. have been. So and and I don't think Stroud or even Ryan Day knew what they had with this as he's getting you know as he's down on the field for a little bit and everybody's holding their breath and as he gets kind of walked off and he goes off gingerly, so he's absolutely right. Like yeah. this could be at any moment your name and number could be called. There's a lot of faith with the talent that they've got behind Stroud that they'll be just fine with whomever goes out there. They got ballers everywhere. Yep. Just got to stay healthy and locked in. Yep. The coaches will have a right game plan for them. They're going to have more talent than their opponent for a majority of the year. So as long as CJ and whatever quarterback that steps in, if they need to step in, just stays uh, in their lane, if you will, then these quarterbacks will be fine. You touched on Justin Fields briefly uh, in our opening block, he came out and said that he thinks it's disrespectful for Bears fans to be booing Andy Dalton in order to get Justin Fields out there on the field and all that stuff. I like this from Justin Fields. It quiets down a little bit of the rah-rah from the fan base. And it makes him, to me, that is like kind of the first, not the first signal, but one of the first signals of leadership. As far as being the face of the franchise and stepping up a little bit to the fan base and saying, look, I appreciate the love. I appreciate the support, but Andy's still my teammate. And right now, as long as we're all wearing this Bears uh, gear here out there on the field, let's support Andy. I thought that was very mature and a baller thing to do by Justin Fields. Peeling back some of the layers and just how we feel about the Matt Nagy, Andy Dalton situation. Justin Fields, at the end of the day, is still a rookie. Yep on a professional football team and he's absolutely he knows his role in all of this and not only is he backing up Dalton but he's backing up his head coach and so you do like to see that as dopey as I think Matt Nagy is <laughs> the fact that Fields is saying this about Dalton helps the dumb things his coach has said and that's what you want with a team player because no this is it does take 11 guys to make an offense hum but if you watch the Bears over the weekend that offense wasn't just not humming Ooh, man it's uh, ass is kicked yeah, wasn't good I know it's the preseason <laughs> one good but you're not gonna lose by 26 to the Buffalo Bills you don't want to get beat down like that nope and in the preseason. I'm with you. Not a good signal at all. Preseason off and running. Jason B. Hershorn hops on. He covers the NFL for SB Nation after this. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. They both like to go to raves with the Bosa brothers. Here's Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in. Matty Ice, Eric Reese are hanging out with you today. Time for us to head out to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Chop it up with Jason B. Hershorn, award-winning NFL and college football writer over at SB Nation. Jason, what's going on, man? How you feeling? I'm feeling great. How about you guys? Good, man. Good. Thanks so much for some of your time. All right, let's start with some of these quarterback races going on in the NFL. And I want to start with the Patriots. And obviously, Cam's in the news today dealing with a bit of a hiccup in the COVID realm. But going back to, I think, Thursday or Friday night of last week, uh, Jason, what was your takeaway from the two quarterbacks there? I know Mac Jones has been, there's been a lot of buzz around his name. uh, But to me, I thought Cam Newton came out and played well. What do you think about the current status right now of this quarterback race out in New England? 
Cam Newton did play well, and very importantly, we saw him throw down the field more, certainly more than we saw in the first preseason game. Part of that was the limited exposure during their first preseason game. Part of that was simply because it was just the play calling. They they were not asking Cam to throw down the field early, but they did this past week, and he looked fine. It looked like a lot of that zip was back on the ball, which is good. This is a player that's had hand and shoulder injuries in the not-too-distant past. And, look, he didn't look like MVP Cam Newton, but he looked like a full starting quarterback, which is something we didn't see at the end or the back stretch of the 2020 season. So if Cam Newton's going to play like that, you know, it doesn't mean that it's going to transform them into Super Bowl contenders, but I very much understand why the team is very much on board with him being the week one starter. Jason, some of the Patriots haven't had to deal with in forever just because of the situation that they've always had at quarterback is – if, if Cam's the starter, if Cam's name starter week one, how much of a leash does he have? Like, how long will Bill Belichick allow Cam Newton to do bad Cam Newton things before yanking him for Mac Jones? Like, does that change because of how well Mac's performed in this preseason? Or will they just say, hey, rookie, you're going to sit it out a couple weeks, maybe the entire season, while you develop? I mean, I think the way Mac Jones has performed suggests that if he had to be the starter, he could do at least a reasonably decent job. So, yeah, I don't think Cam Newton's going to have unlimited leash, but there are things that Cam Newton are going to, is going to allow them to do, specifically offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, that they are never going to be able to do with Mac Jones. I think it are things that they want to try. We saw a little of this last year, but before Cam Newton landed on the COVID list, and they were running literally plays out of the go-go offense, a very, like, distinct college system that are just things you can't do with most quarterbacks, let alone Mac Jones. So they're definitely interested in having Cam Newton be their starting quarterback for reasons other than delaying the beginning of the Mac Jones era. There are things that they want to do schematically that are going to give them advantages that, again, very few quarterbacks in the NFL, at least when healthy, can do. You know, Justin Fields came out and he made a you know pitch to the, you know the Bears fan base saying it's it's disrespectful to be booing Andy Dalton and you know being really rah rah around me uh, right now where this guy he's the guy and Matt Nagy keeps coming out and reinforcing to everyone that Andy is going to be the Week One starter versus Aaron Donald and company. Have you liked the way Matt Nagy has managed this whole situation between Dalton and Justin Fields? I think to a certain degree, Matt Nagy is sort of saying one thing and implying another. If you ask him outright, as many of the beat writers in Chicago have, who's the starter, he's going to say Andy Dalton. He said that the entire time. But if you ask him about the quarterbacks in a different way, where you can still glean that information, which one do you feel more confident in? It's a much different picture. And then you look at the way that those two quarterbacks are being managed in practice. You know, Justin Fields is getting more and more of the number one reps, and we're going to see this week, coming off of two preseason games, if Justin Fields is getting even more time with the number ones, more time with Al Robinson, none of the quarterbacks have played yet with Al Robinson this year. He just is not going to be in the preseason at all. Then you're going to get an idea that this is a team that may be a little more serious about playing Justin Fields, not just early in the season, but maybe even in week one. I mean, there's an argument to be made, and certainly one that I support, that the most compelling reason not to play Justin Fields week one isn't because of Andy Dalton, it isn't because of Justin Fields, it's because that offensive line is in such a state of disarray. But if they think the line is going to be there by week one, or is be, as there as it's going to be in 2021, then I think Justin Fields has actually made a pretty compelling argument that while the offense may not be great at any point this year, he gives them the best chance to win. Jason B. Hirshhorn is our guest. Give him a follow on Twitter at by underscore JBH. 
Covers the NFL for SB Nation, and he's on Rothman and Ice, courtesy of the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Talking about Andy Dalton's former, former team and the Cincinnati Bengals have a situation with Joe Burrow where they have wanted to keep him basically in a bubble, and they've got their preseason finale Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. In your personal belief, Jason, should he take at least a series with the Bengals offense? I don't think so, but this is also excuse me, my perspective on almost all starting quarterbacks. Like, there is not a lot of upside to be gained relative to what you could get in practice, especially those joint practices that so many teams are doing, at least this offseason or this training camp. I, I think you can simulate a lot of those things without putting them, you know, in a position where they could take live hits. With Joe Burrow, I mean, he's made incredible progress back from that devastating knee injury he suffered as a rookie, but you don't want him taking necessary hits, and the preseason is just that. It's unnecessary hits. Now, I think there's a lot of, you know, there's value in playing more snaps with Jamar Chase. There's more value in playing snaps with that entire offense. I get that, but those are things that can be simulated in practice and I just think that's probably the better approach with almost any starting quarterback. I think that's why you're seeing fewer and fewer teams actually expose their starting quarterbacks and a lot of their starting offense to live snaps in the preseason. Jason, how concerned do you think Bengals fans should be about the drops that seem to have plagued Jamar Chase, at least early on? That part of it I actually don't think is all that concerning. There's a long, long list of highly drafted wide receivers who have gone through very similar struggles early in their career, specifically in training camp and the preseason. That said, a lot of the issues that one could point to with Jamar Chase coming out of college are still there, and I think those are bigger concerns, that he, you know, he can separate from defenders, but he's not an elite separator. He's not going to slip past defenders the way that you know, maybe saw like peak Antonio Brown do. And for the number five overall pick, you have to expect a lot. So I think those are bigger concerns. I don't think the drops themselves ultimately are all that much of a problem. I think we'll get that right. But there are questions with them. And in the Bengals, you know, they certainly had a lot of attractive options, the number five overall pick, and they went with Joe Burrow's old teammate. That can still pan out, but there are a lot of valid concerns at this point. We do get some preseason action tonight. You get the Jags and the Saints, and that's another quarterback situation that's fascinating to me. Not what Urban's trying to create down there in Jacksonville. I think we all could assume that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the guy. But the Saints, when you look at where they are right now with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston and those two quarterbacks in the styles of those two quarterbacks, which guy do you believe gives them the best option to win on a weekly basis? You hit on the most important point. This is not like other quarterback battles where you have two players who, even if they have different skill sets, are still trying to run the offense in a somewhat similar way. These are vastly different players. Taysom Hill is not a quarterback in the eyes of all 32 NFL teams, whereas Jameis Winston is a quarterback in the eyes of everyone. It's just a matter of, is he a quarterback that you can win with, given how loose he is with ball security? But for that reason, I still think ultimately, whether it's week one or soon thereafter, they're going to have to seriously consider going to Jameis Winston because if you think of what that Saints offense was, not even the last few years when Drew Brees' arm was really compromised, if you go back to the early Peyton Brees era, they were pretty vertically minded in a way that we, it's easy to forget now because they've been such a quick game offense for years. And those are things that they can get back to with Jameis Winston. It's a way that they can really exploit the wide receiver weapons, at least when Michael Thomas returns to health, that they have. 
So Jameis Winston seems to be the best option of the options that they actually have to really maximize the talents. Whereas Taysom Hill, you're running a very different offense. And while it's one that opposing defenses have to adjust to every week and there might be some advantage there, I don't think ultimately that gives them the best chance to win. So we'll have to see how Sean Payton handles this. We know that he likes Taysom Hill, that he truly believes that Taysom Hill can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But Jameis Winston just offers more options at this point in time, in my view. Jason B. Hershorn is our guest, covers the NFL for SB Nation. So Jags and Saints tonight. Jacksonville heads to Dallas next Sunday for their preseason finale. Do you think Urban names Trevor Lawrence the starter after tonight's game, after next week's game? Like, when does this charade end? Or do you even think it's a charade between Lawrence and Gardner Minshew? I think we can all acknowledge this is a charade, right? Like, (laughs) it's not that Trevor Lawrence was the number one overall pick alone. It's not that Trevor Lawrence is viewed as a generational prospect alone. And it's not just that Trevor Lawrence is viewed as someone who can walk in and immediately command a huddle of veterans. It's all of those things. Gardner Minshew is a quality quarterback by NFL standards, but he's not a starting NFL quarterback by by really anybody's standard. That's this is not fair to put him in that position. I mean, we saw that last year. They they won exactly one game all of 2020, and that wasn't solely Minshew's fault, obviously. But there's just such a huge talent deficit, and you know it's it's almost like a, a, an extrapolated version of what we see in Chicago, like. You know, Andy Dalton is a real NFL quarterback, but we know who gives the Bears the best chance to win. This is bad on steroids, right? Like Trevor Lawrence is, you know, leagues above Gardner Minshew from a talent perspective. And he's also viewed as one of the more refined prospects to come out of the college ranks in recent years. I just I don't see any argument to the contrary that we can take seriously. And I think Urban knows this. But at the same time, you know, this is kind of the thing that you get with Urban Meyer, right? Like, he's going to run this thing like a college program to a certain degree. So I don't think Urban Meyer actually believes that there's a real chance that Gardner Minshew is going to start. And if he does, it's actually a bigger concern for Jags fans than anything else. And I don't know when he's going to name the starter, but other than for injury, I would be shocked if there's any real conversation going to week one, whether or not Trevor Lawrence is going to be under center. Jason, we'll get you out here on this one. Denver, I think they're a team that a lot of people view as kind of a quarterback away, solid pieces on both sides of the ball. Teddy or Drew Locke, who's the guy week one or should be the guy week one? Yeah, I think the should answer is Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke has had good moments, and I know he's looked good in practice, especially early, but Teddy Bridgewater has like, narrowed that gap, at least for what I am hearing, and Teddy Bridgewater is also someone, not that it's because they invested in him, but because he brings in a veteran presence. You know, Drew Locke is going to his third year, but he hasn't played a lot. He's had injuries, which, you know, it's not his fault, but that's still the the fact of the matter, I think Teddy Bridgewater can walk in there and at least give them a modicum of consistency that they have lacked in the post-Peyton Manning era. And while that's not going to transform them into a title contender, I think that's going to allow them to better evaluate everything else that they have. It's going to allow them to look at that receiver count that they've amassed. You know, not even just the wideouts, you know, no offense, the tight end. You'll be able to get a better idea of what those players can do for them, both now and in the future with Teddy Bridgewater under center. And I think ultimately that's how they're going to look at this. Not that they want to say the 2021 season is purely a year for evaluation, but I think they want to know those answers by the end of the year. And Teddy Bridgewater gives them the best chance at getting that information. He's Jason B. Hershorn, award-winning NFL and college football writer over at SB Nation. Jason, that was great. Thanks so much for your time, man. All right, take care, guys. It's getting here, E. It's getting here, man.
Cowboys and Bucks will be here before you know it. Hey, you still got one more preseason game, one yeah. more preseason game tonight and another week of preseason. And your Baltimore Ravens, I do believe, have the, why can't I find Monday it? Monday night? Next Saturday, though, they're taking on the Washington football team. Okay. And they can go for 20 preseason wins in a row. History. Are you hanging the banner at M&T Bank Stadium? We may get to that next. Party like a raw star after this. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Let's all gather into the Kiki. It's time to party like a Roth star. All right, it's that time. It's Monday. Probably my favorite segment of the week, if I'm being completely honest. So my first candidate, or candidates, I should say, for party like a Roth star. CB, as you know, last week in party like a Roth star, I previewed the return of one CM Punk to AEW. That happened Friday night at Rampage in Chicago at the United Center. A moment I'll never forget. One of those goosebump moments for me. The crowd reaction, his emotional reaction, his story of how WWE mistreated him, firing the man on his wedding day. Just a complete mess, what he's been through. So that was absolutely special to see. But overall, go ahead. No, sorry. I was just saying, I've been away from wrestling for a little bit, and that brought me back to it knowing that there would be the the return of CM Punk Incredible. after seven years away. And it's like it totally overshadowed the the competition SummerSlam event that was that next day. So that's where we're, we'll go next. Because for me, I am not Team AEW or WWE. You can like both. I just love wrestling. <laughs> and I think where we are right now is there's some life around it. Because you mentioned what went down Saturday. We got the return of the man, Becky Lynch. Also got the return of one Brock Lesnar. And then that sprinkled into yesterday at WWE NXT TakeOver 36. And why this is important is because their biggest star in Adam Cole, Bebe, his contract officially ended yesterday, and he lost the match. And there was some subtweeting going on from people over at AEW. His wife, Britt Baker, Dr. DMD, is the women's champion over at AEW right now. So me as a wrestling fan, what happened last week from Monday to Sunday was absolutely special. If you're a wrestling fan, you were partying like a raw star, just like me. They, uh, WWE, have this thing where like you can't, you have to be a star that they've made, it feels like. Because a guy like Cole, like I've known about because of how big of a presence he was on the independent scene and actually being a legit guy that can go. He's never big. He's like our size. Yeah, he can so, go, man. Adam Cole, baby. Looks like he's going to AEW. My uh, first nominee is Mitch Trubisky. Okay. Mr. Biscuit was 20-28, 221 yards and two touchdowns in the Bills. 41-15 to route of Matt Nagy's squad this past Saturday. I, I, look, I know it's the preseason, but no NFL team should be crushed by 26 points, especially when you, the Chicago Bears, have a quarterback problem, and Mr. Biscuit waltzes in and just dominates you. He also had an 11-yard scramble on a drive like in the second quarter that just, wait, he's never moved like that. So Mr. Biscuit, for me, partying like a Roth star on his former team. I love that. Ohio guy doing a little bit of damage. I think he's in a great spot, too. Yeah. It's in a phenomenal spot, so I think that's really good. My second candidate for Party Like a Raw Star this week, CB, the New York Yankees are cooking with hot grease mm. right now. And I love when you get the villains of the sports world playing well at the most important time of the year. To me, the Yankees are no doubt a villain in the baseball world, with just all the money they can throw at things and make things happen. They're 9-1 in their last 10. They're on a nine-game winning streak. 
They're only four and a half games back of the Tampa Bay Rays in the division right now, and they're number one in the wild card race on the AL side of things. And I'm a man that does not shy away from handing out apologies. And I think I owe an apology to one Luke Voigt because CB, you hit us with the question last week where Luke Voigt came out and he was outspoken about, hey, I should be in this lineup. I know Rizzo's here, but I'm a guy that can do damage in the last seven days for Luke Voigt. 21 ABs, 10 hits, two home runs, and 11 RBIs. That lineup is scary good when they are cooking the way they're cooking with hot grease right now. You don't want to see them in that wild card game with Garrett Cole out there on the bump and this lineup top to bottom, which is nasty. The Yankees right now, E, partying like a roster. It does beg a question because you get Rizzo healthy and then Giovanni Urshela, their third baseman, I think is about to do a rehab stint. It's like, do you mess up the chemistry that's in this current Yankee lineup? Because like we all know as baseball fans, it's such a finicky sport like that where you have two stars or two hopeful stars in Urshela and in Rizzo who you got at the deadline to shore up first base but if the guys right now are cooking yeah you don't get a, you don't throw them out of the kitchen right the meals are tasting good right now I am hoping that Caitlin I don't know her last name wherever she is in Cincinnati is partying like a Roth star it was twice last week Thursday and Friday at the Reds game where uh Tom and I don't know Tom's last name might have been a boyfriend might have been a fling a love interest oh, okay. posted messages on the Reds video board group messages probably paid for these that says caitlin i was wrong talk to me tom did this on thursday and did this on friday as well and so it, it i guess between you know thursday and friday she hadn't spoken with him yeah caitlin i hope you have run far 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 away from tom <laughs> partied like a roth star all weekend are going to continue to ignore the man because there's desperation yeah. and there's whatever the hell tom's doing a little too much, huh? A little extra? Just a little I mean, too much spending seasoning money on. to get your name out there for a Reds game on a group yeah. message. There's like, there's, you know, yeah, there's congratulations on uh, 40 years of work. There's happy birthday. There's for signs and symptoms of a stroke, call 911. Mm. And then there's this message. So, look, if the, if Tom wants to keep spending money, I think the Reds need to do him a solid and just say, no, nah, man, <laughs> we're not putting you up there again. Uh-uh. That's part of like a raw star for this week. Good stuff right there, man. Good stuff for sure. One o'clock, top of the hour. Got an update for you there. And when we come back, AFC North, what do we take away from this weekend when it comes to the preseason off and running? I think I know where we're going to start, and that's probably down there in Cincinnati. We'll hit it on next. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus. The Fan Sports Center. Good afternoon. I'm Matt Andrews. Ryan Day met with the media around the noon hour. The Buckeyes finished practice this morning, 10 days away from their opener versus Minnesota. The Gophers will wear their alternate blacks in that Thursday night, 8 p.m. start. Day asked today about his defense. Yeah, well, we're not changing. There's a lot of things that we've done in the past that we're very proud of, and then there's some things that we had to fix coming off of last year. So, you know, philosophically, we're not going to change. We just had to clean some things up. Big Ten announced today that for the 21-22 calendar year, if one of its members is unable to play due to COVID-19, that school will forfeit the games. No games will be rescheduled. Reds and Indians and Clippers all off today in baseball. They'll resume action tomorrow. This update brought to you by NJM, committed to being up front with their customers. NJM, no jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Get a quote today at NJM.com. Breaking sports news on the fan. Insightful and thought-provoking sports conversation for your lunch hour. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in. 
Matty Ice here. Greaser hanging out with you on a Monday. Thanks for joining us, folks. You heard Matty Andrews there on the update. Oh, Minnesota dropping some black unis. Have you peeped at these things? They look pretty good. I like them, man. Like, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Now, my mind automatically goes to this has to be an entire blackout, correct? In the crowd? I'm assuming that's what they're trying to get at here. First game of the year. Buckeyes at the crib. Under the lights. 8 o'clock kickoff. I think that's what we'll see. Probably, if I had to guess. I would hope. But, yeah, these black uniforms crimson all over it doesn't look like there's any yellow the row on the helmet feels a little forced like pj flex really gotta you know dive deep i guess look, there's commitment to the gimmick so you should probably appreciate that but i think all the other big 10 teams have something else that actually has mattered to the program for generations not just something that you know your kooky coach brought in from the other school that he was at gotta start somewhere though right i guess gotta start somewhere i am good when they get their butts kicked i look yeah yeah you're right i I'm a, kind of a fan of Minnesota's unis on a consistent basis. I like what they threw out last year. They had that gold helmet going on with the burgundy underneath. Like I, I like what they can cook up there. Always a fan of the blackout. No doubt. That always works for me. A black uniform more times than not always works. Just if you're Ohio State, just stay away from the cannonball helmet. I was not, <laughs> not a, fan. a fan of the cannonball helmet. Uh, but we know how this works. See? It's for the youngsters, man. It's yep. for the recruits. You got to show this sexy stuff off. That way, I'm sure Minnesota is going to be hosting some recruits next week and all that stuff. Ohio State in the building. This is the stuff that they absolutely want to see. Before we get to some NFL stuff in the AFC North, this crate challenge that's going on, have you been seeing this? Yeah. Watching why are, them all weekend. Why are people putting their bodies through this is my question. Uh, because it's a viral challenge. You just got to get in. The part of the okay. viral challenge is your body and your health is on the line. <laughs> Uh, there was something that we were talking about last week, and I forget who I was speaking about this to. There's the frozen honey challenge on TikTok. It's got like 85 million views oh, I haven't heard of this as one. of last week where people are freezing honey in their freezers. And then if they have it in a water bottle, they can push it out kind of like a push pop. Really? But like there's something with your body and then the way it processes something in honey. And if it does it too fast, you get diarrhea. So oh. people doing the TikTok challenge, the frozen honey thing, we're getting diarrhea. Okay. So now this is just, well, this isn't diarrhea. This is people trying to climb 49 crates to get to the top. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in ascending order. You get to the seventh one and you go six, five, four, three, two, one in descending order. Yeah. And that's the challenge. And I haven't seen anybody uh, complete it. I see the, it's just dudes getting to the six or the seven and then yeah. just crashing. Getting their tails busted. Wow. Seen a dude rolling a doobie on the way up. Have you sure. seen this one? I mean, it, it's getting out of control, CB, with this crate challenge out here. I, I just... No, I could see an ankle going left, going right, and then (laughs) me getting rolled in here doing the show in a wheelchair trying to do that. But the crate challenge right now is on a pop it, man. Yes, it's the most viral thing we've got going right now. And I wonder if maybe a five-year thing where people have in their contracts do not do challenges. Do not do viral trends. If you're trying to trend, you may not do this. You may not participate. Oh, my goodness. Stay off TikTok. Man, it's always so interesting when you talk about these athletes and their interest outside of the sport. You could see Juju Smith-Schuster trying this. No doubt about it. Antonio Brown trying something like this. Juju's a TikTok star. Look, last year, got himself into some mess. Some teams weren't digging him, dancing on the logo and doing all that. But Juju was cashing those TikTok checks. I'm not mad at him for that part of it. You know what I'll allow? This season, when the Browns score one of their thousand touchdowns that they will, they do the crate challenge in the end zone. (laughs) 
So Odell Beckham gets a touchdown. The rest of the, the offensive mm. line goes to the sideline, brings out 49 crates. They stack them, and he tries it. He could do it. I will say this, and I've always told CB this. I think the Browns have a guy on their team who can make the case that he has the best touchdown celebration, and that's Rashard Higgins. Because when Rashard Higgins has caught touchdown passes, as you know, you got Baker and the crew rolling out the red carpet. And to me, when those dudes are taking the pictures, he's, he's hitting you with a little bit of the pimp walk there. Like, I'm in. Completely in on his touchdown celebration. I just hope with the NFL's new crackdown on taunting that yeah. they don't put the kibosh on a lot of those. Because the crate challenge would absolutely be taunting. Yeah. I hope that... They, they take some of the tele, you know these touchdown celebrations and they say, okay, well, they've scored points in the NFL, which we all know, unless you're the Chicago Bears over the weekend, is a very difficult thing to do. Or I guess unless you're the Buffalo Bills and the Chicago Bears over the weekend, is a very difficult thing to do. So we can respect you doing touchdown celebrations. That's why they have the cameras that allow you to take selfies. Like, let them have fun in the end zones if you're going to crack down on the taunting, I guess, between the stripes. I'm with you. So stupid. Let, I, would is, let it's, them, it's, I would let them do the spin rooney after a sack. <laughs> If it were my NFL, you would be celebrating everything you'd like. And you could do all it's the pumps. What's the skit from Key and Peele? The pumps? Just, yes. You get more. You get unlimited pumps. Because it's so great to watch how creative these guys can get. Yes. With, with Hollywood Higgins touchdown celebrations, and you get Baker Mayfield involved in it. It's so great to <laughs> see these great. guys because it's authentic and it's yes, emotional. Yeah. And that's what draws us to sport in the first place. And they work for that. Yes. It's not easy to do, do what it. they do. Right. It's not easy. So when they get those moments, man, have all the fun you want. I'm all in. Speaking of touchdowns and guys hoping to be doing a lot of celebrating in the paint, that's the hope for Jamar Chase. And that still, to me, is going to be what we see from him more times than not. But right now, E, there's stuff going on. And there's stuff going on with two most important parts of his body, and that's the hands. Because going back to this weekend, watching their preseason tilt against Washington, you had three drops in the game mm-hmm. and watching those drops, one of them there, you're kind of falling to the ground a little bit. But I think the one that stuck with me was had a little bit of a slant there and he had to go a little bit towards the middle and you saw the alligator arms come out just a little bit. So you had that go down and then Sunday we're getting reports out of camp. Yeah. had a couple more drops from Jamar chase and one of them went off his hands and was intercepted by former Buckeye and Von Bell. Mm-hmm. So to me, when we've had these reports about Burrow, when we've had these reports about Jamar Chase, the lack of separation and all of that stuff, and now when we can see what we've seen you know, with our own eyes in this last preseason game, it's not a huge deal to me, but it's also not nothing to me either. I'm right there in the middle with this, and if you're asking me where I think this will lean, do I think that this is going to be a consistent problem or do I think it's going to go the other way and we get a really good Jamar chase? I'm going to go with, I think we get a really good Jamar chase while I'm also keeping my fingers crossed that this isn't real. It's the yips. I, I think that's what this is with chase is, is he's a rookie quarter he's a rookie wide receiver. And there's just, there, there's an acclimation process. He didn't play in college last year. Right. So there's, there's practice and then there's live fire games and there those are two different things now it looks like the drops you know kind of go both ways on that but the one thing it, it it will do is if this continues into the regular season and you've got a quarterback that already has a little bit of confidence issues in his knee because look Burrow can come out and say all the things we want we know Joe Burrow's a dude mm-hmm. but how can that injury not be in the back of your head oh, every time you do something no question 
And so for Burrow, if he's got that early on, and then he's got a wide receiver that's getting great separation, but if he's dropping balls, he's not throwing the ball to you anymore. Like, right. I can't – there is no time no. in the NFL to establish that connection in a game. It has to be done off the field at practice. And if it's an issue at practice, you don't have the confidence that it can be handled during a game. And then if it happens during a game, and like you said, a guy like Von Bell comes up with it, and that – turns out to be the difference in an actual regular season game, there's not much life for you there. So here's what I think can be a bit of a positive if we get a couple weeks into the season and this is, oh, okay, this is a real problem. Like if we start to see that with him, you got Higgins and Boyd. You do. That you can go to and say, okay, we know that we can get legitimate output and consistent output from those two guys. And Tyler Boyd, to me, is one of the most underrated players in the entire yes. league. Still think Jamar Chase is going to be the horse. He, I, I think that's going to be where we end up towards the middle of the season and when we get to the finish line. But until then, you know you've got two guys that can really pull you out of this if you absolutely need it. And Jamar Chase can't cook the way that I think he is. So right now, bit of an issue going on with Jamar Chase that did continue over from the preseason game into practice yesterday. Browns fan, anything jump out to you concern level from the latest uh, preseason action. No, nothing? not, not a thing from the actual on the field sure. action. There was stuff in practice over the weekend. That's got me not feeling too great, but the Browns backups beat the New York giants backups. It's <laughs> right. like, it's yeah. great. Yeah. Right. All right. And nobody got, nobody got seriously injured. And you know, there's a, an interesting discussion to be had. I, I think uh, Kyle Lauletta, mm-hmm. if I can pronounce his name correctly, did a fine job. Mm-hmm. Uh, has you know moved himself into a discussion. Should he be Baker's backup? I don't know. Case Keenum's been there and done that before in the NFL. With so. Stefanski too, right? So look, as good as Lauletta played, I think Keenum's the backup. And then what you can do is with some teams that have issues with their backups maybe take a couple of phone calls before we get to the season. Yeah. Like he's a guy that you might be able to dangle out there and say, does anybody want a, a backup that pl- can play pretty well and oh, that is healthy? Maybe. Right. No so, doubt. But uh, aside from everything else, no, it was backups versus backups. The Greedy Williams thing yeah. is it's unfortunate, right? Because here we go again, I think it's a little bit of the vibe around Greedy Williams when it comes to injuries and now – We've got the groin thing going on Friday practice. I know he left with a migraine mm-hmm. and all of those things. So, but here's what, here's what I'll say about this is obviously this is bad, but in the same light that I viewed the Bengals wide receiver situation right now with them having uh, kind of a safety net there with Higgins and Boyd, this is why you went out and got Greg Newsom. This is why you went out and got Troy Hill. This is why you have uh, a young jock to create some versatility there on the back end. So obviously not great when it comes to Greedy Williams, but I just think overall the feeling right now is this is where we are with this dude. I don't know if it's a bit of a surprise anymore. This might be a little spicy, but I think Greg Newsom's played his way into the second cornerback spot. If you don't know, if if you don't have faith in, in Greedy's health and that's unfortunately what it is, is there's just not much, there's not faith there. Slide in the rookie that you drafted in the first round and say, here you go. You've got so much talent around you. Yeah. Is what if, if I'm saying to Greg Newsom that there are there are dudes that have played. There's John Johnson you look to and say, he's there for you. Right. You and got pieces there. You, you have him, pieces you there. You let him learn so on the fly. He's got to get out there on the field. Yep. What's the saying? The saying, 
the possibilities, availability. Can't make the club in the tub. We're not there yet with Greedy Williams. CB, we were talking about this, the Browns kind of preseason stuff before the show, and you kind of pointed out to me a situation with the wide receivers that jumped out to you. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of numbers, and you, you're in a situation where you've never really been before with how many skill guys you have that you don't have enough roster spots for all of them. And I think one of the guys that's probably on the border is the guy that scored the touchdown in the, the first touchdown of yesterday's game in Kadero Hodge. Like yeah. That's a guy, especially if I were them, I'm looking to see if I could move him for a deal or something, get something for him, because he's not, unfortunately, he's not going to make this roster. There's too many good dudes, man. It's a good problem for you guys to have. What a weird spot for Browns fans. It is. Like, I have to imagine all this stuff for you guys is very strange with all the love that you guys are getting for. And it's, look, I think it's deserved. (laughs) It's very deserved based off of how this roster is built. Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, those guys at the head of this thing. And then what you guys did last year, I think it's absolutely uh, deserving. You guys are deserving of all the hype that you guys are getting right now. But I think that wide receiver spot is very interesting because. To me, it has a feeling of Donovan Peoples-Jones kind of securing that wide receiver three spot. There's so much buzz around him. But we also know that Baker and Higgins, they have chemistry. They have a real thing that's played out in front of our eyes out there on the field. But overall, that unit's going to be fine. It's just the tough decision CB's talking about is... Is there a guy that we let go that could potentially come back to haunt us? <laughs> no, I think this is well, real. I, I think yeah. the person that threw a wrench into all this is, and it's a good wrench, is how Demetric Felton's performed. There you, know? you go. I think with Peoples Jones and, and Felton as well, might have been able to work himself uh, with his preseason play to an actual roster spot. But it's Higgins at the three right now, and then you give uh, Peoples Jones the chance to move in uh, to that currently occupied by Higgins, but. There's a lot, I think, that the Browns can do this next week. They're not going to play Baker. So you got Loletta and, and you've got Case Keenum out there. Is you do the same exact thing you did with the Giants and just throw balls everywhere. Yeah. And see who comes up with them, and there's your roster spots. We'll come back. We'll tap into some other things going on in the AFC North that went down this weekend in the Reds right now. Sitting in a very, very good spot when it comes to talking about the playoff picture. We'll hit on it next. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Rossman and Ice is sponsored by your local Pella Window and Door showroom on Gemini Parkway. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. If you're tired of hearing about Maddie's high school baseball prowess, just wait five seconds until Anthony tells stories about his amateur tennis days. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in. Bottom of the hour. We'll go behind enemy lines. Zach Shaw covers that team up north for 24-7 sports. We'll find out everything that they're bringing to the table for the upcoming year. You guys were letting me know during the break that Kevin Stefanski is like hot in the streets. GQ Kevin Stefanski. very attractive man. Okay. Okay. This is something I recently started to hear. Like the ladies are in on Kevin Have Stefanski. Have you not seen him? No, I've seen the man. It just it never registered to me that this dude was going to become like a sex symbol out here in the streets. Yep. Man. No, man, you're really late on it. Even when they first hired him and he did that first press conference, man, it started then. Ladies are in. Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Let's check it out. I know he's got the beard going, like the salt and pepper, got, little salt that's, and pepper that's vibe. That's the biggest thing okay. I think is that salt and pepper. That's what they that like. He's got going. That's what they like. Okay. I mean, just everything's coming up Cleveland right now. I so. see you, Kevin Stefanski. I see you. Best looking coach. I'll hit you with this. Something that was good looking coming out of the AFC North this weekend. I liked what I saw from Big Ben. Yeah. Don't want to overreact. They were playing the Lions, who probably will be in the basement with the Texans this year as one of the worst teams in the entire NFL. Probably. But I'll say this. What jumped out to me was... Could be something there with Big Ben and Pat Fryermuth from Penn State, former tight end there. Those guys connected on a touchdown. 
I like that. And one other thing that I really liked was there was a deep shot down the field to Deontay Johnson. Now, the ball probably should have been intercepted. Yeah. I will give you that. He underthrew that. But the fact that we're attempting to do that, I think, is big because last year there was so much dink and dunk. And look, that may be tied into the lack of good stuff from the offensive line from a year ago. But I liked what I saw from Big Ben spinning the rock and he got one out to Najee and he's juking dudes and had some really good yak there, which I think will be there for Najee. But I, I look, Big Ben uh, is a pretty good outing for him. Yeah, if I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I, I'm feeling better after that game. I'm feeling better today. He was out there, actually, and they were trying to let him do go through everything. Mm-hmm. you know. And the thing with the Fryermuth was why they brought him in is because they needed that security blanket. Same thing with drafting Najee Harris. Is those two guys are supposed to help the aging quarterback kind of dink and dunk his way into feeling like, okay, then I can take a shot down the field and have my arm go through. But yeah, the Deontay Johnson thing, people were freaking out on Twitter. And <laughs> while it was good to see that it was good for him to try it, he underthrew it. Yeah, it should have been intercepted. Yeah. Johnson had to come back for it. So... You know, he's still an aging quarterback, but it, it's the, the guys that they added. And again, they should have addressed better the offensive line. But I'm at least feeling better as a Steelers fan if I was a Steelers fan because he's out there. He, he's making reads. He's yeah. at least looking healthy. And what may take some time, too, is this offense has a hold of Joe, right? With a new offensive coordinator right. in there, Matt Canada uh, running the show and having the sticks in his hand and moving the pieces around on the board. This absolutely may take some time. But I, I think the explosive plays down the field – is absolutely all I'm looking for when it comes to Pittsburgh this year because we know Harris is going to be able to contribute uh, either between the tackles, outside the tackles, or in the passing game. He's going to find a way to put up some really good numbers. The Reds right now... Speaking of numbers. Cooking, man. They're They're in the kitchen right now with the Yankees cooking with some hot grease because four wins in a row, they bring out the brooms on the Marlins, seven and three in their last ten. And I think one of my biggest takeaways from this weekend was Vladimir Gutierrez, the rookie. He does it again, man. You go look at all of his starts in the month of July. All of them check the box of either six or seven innings. And that's so important because we know the struggle this year of this bullpen. And there's pieces that have new faces and guys that they're getting back to try to really sure up what they want to do on the back end of that. But if they're going to get that from Gutierrez, a guy that's not flinching right now as a rookie. And look, I get that it's the Marlins and they handle business against a bad team. But to me, man, these rookies, Stevenson, Gutierrez, and obviously Jonathan India have been really important this year because you've had guys, veteran guys, and guys that you're relying on the middle of your lineup and Winker and Vado and Nick Castellanos that have all dealt with injuries and missed some time this year. So the rookies really stepped up. And what I saw from Vladimir Gutierrez was uh, special stuff, man. When you, you talk about, you know, taking care of business against a bad team, that's what you're supposed to be doing. No doubt. So I, I don't think that that should be kind of undershadowed. Like, that's very important is when you're playing a team like the Marlins, you go out and you handle business. And and so, like, you talk about Gutierrez, who had eight Ks, and excuse me, computer, eight Ks and seven innings of work yesterday. It was Tyler Nockan who had two home runs. And that leadoff, you know, the leadoff spot, pretty good. Um, what's important is they got a one-game lead on the Padres for that second NL wildcard spot. Yeah, man. San Diego's lost eight of their last ten. And they've got a series against the Dodgers starting this week. And things do not get easier for the Padres, mm-hmm. who I think CB was telling us at the break just fired their pitching coach a week removed from signing Jake Arrieta out of the dumpster. <laughs> who is now on the I.L. with a hamstring he, of he injury. Gets hurt in his first start uh-huh. with the Padres. So you mentioned what the, uh, the Padres are dealing with squaring off against the Dodgers. Right now, the Reds are off today. They're off today. And then they lock horns on the road with Milwaukee 
and here's here's how I'm viewing this. You're not catching them in the Central. I no. think the Brewers are way too good. But this right now is one of the last measuring stick series of the season because you look at some of the squads that are left. Obviously, you get the teams in the NL Central. You get the Marlins again this week. You get the Marlins again. That's fun. You get Detroit, who I look has gone from a first half team that was a mess to a kind of a respectable team here on the back end. And congratulations no, to Miguel Cabrera! No, we're not congratulating Miguel way. Cabrera. We have to do that. Yeah, That's Hall of Fame do. stuff. Five hundred home runs. He gets that off of his plate. Yeah, but good for him, outside of Milwaukee, e you get the Dodgers and the White Sox as kind of measuring stick series. And now look, when you get to the White Sox in September, who knows how that looks with the playoff race and how they're lining up their rotation and all of that. But they have series the rest of the way that you look at that they should win. And moving forward, once you get past these three from Milwaukee, they have an opportunity to really keep this momentum going, man. I would be very confident in my team's ability to get that second NL wild card spot if I were you. <laughs> However, I am not you. You're not. So I want to know. You know where I'm based at, Based off the, you reading that the schedule <sighs> that they've got coming up for them, I very favorable. Yeah. How do you feel? I feel a lot better than what I felt, okay. how I felt last week. I'm glad. I felt a lot better about how <laughs> I felt last week, but this is baseball mm-hmm. and things get weird in this sport very quickly, but they're handling business. It's fun to see the offense is rolling, rookies stepping up all over the place. It's going to be a fun uh, rest of the way for the Reds as they try to lock in a spot in the playoffs. When we come back, let's lock in on Michigan. What are they bringing to the table under Harbaugh this season? Zach Shaw covers their squad for 24-7 sports. He hops on after this. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Smarter than your average sports show. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in. Matty Ice, Eric Reeser, CB in the building. Thanks for joining us. We're going to head out to the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Talk some Big Ten football, specifically some Michigan football with Zach Shaw, Michigan beat writer for 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. Zach, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, man. We're getting ready for football. It's exciting. It's week zero. Let's get excited, man. Some good stuff coming at us. Absolutely. I want to start with the quarterbacks, man, because last year uh, we saw Joe Milton and there was some excitement around him coming into the season and he did some okay things throughout the way, but nothing good enough to obviously keep him around. He's down there now, I believe at Tennessee uh, trying to find his way, but where are we right now with this quarterback situation? Is there a top dog at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, there is. And, and more so than I remember Jim Harbaugh doing at any any previous season, actually, uh, you know, they really like Cade McNamara. I uh, talked to a couple players this fall, and I guess sounds like he's about as close as there's been to a quarterback being voted captain of the Jim Harbaugh era. As weird as that sounds, uh, you know, to especially fans in Columbus, uh, there actually hasn't been a quarterback named captain at Michigan since Devin Gardner in 2014, and so it's there hasn't been someone who's really taken the leadership part of being QB one. You know, I think there's been there's been guys who might, might have a better arm than Cade McNamara. They might have more experience as a quarterback than Cade McNamara. But he's he's really tried to unify the offense, which it sounds like so simple. You'd think every quarterback would do it. But I think he's, he's got a little bit of that leadership um, to him. And so he's he's won the job. I mean, he's also a pretty, pretty good quarterback. He's the best quarterback to come out of Nevada ever. I mean, he threw for almost 13,000 yards in high school, um, you know, five 5,500 yards more than anyone else Michigan's had come in the last few years. So, um, 
yeah, he's he's won the job and he beat out you know five star uh, recruit JJ McCarthy for the job. He beat out Texas Tech grad transfer Alan Bowman for the job. So there was there was a position battle, but but really, uh, you know, he's he's just a really good thrower. I think he knows he has really good touch. Knows you know when to throw, when not to throw. Uh, you know, he also knows which arm slots to use. Maybe a little bit more of that. Uh, kind of that middle infielder athleticism. You know, he's not he's not necessarily going to throw it 60 yards down the field. But he can make a lot of the sharp plays, and he can make the easy plays look easy. And I think, uh, you know, looking at the rest of Michigan's roster, that's probably what they need at quarterback. I don't think they need, I don't think they need a boomer bust big arm quarterback like Joe Milton was. I think they need someone who's just going to make the right play at the right time. Uh, it doesn't have to win the Heisman; just has to move the offense. So yeah, it seems like he's he's won the job. The players seem. Like they like him a lot, and and I think there's a there's a small chance he's even voted captain later this week. Zach Shaw follow uh, covers Michigan football for twenty four seven sports. Give him a follow on Twitter at underscore Zach Shaw. He's on Rothman and Ice, courtesy of the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Zach, with uh, whenever a team has uh, you know a five star true freshman guy at quarterback, that so many accolades have come with him uh, from high school to now where he's at Michigan. Ohio State's got that similar thing with Quinn Ewers. Talking about the Wolverine fan base, how much uh, I guess anxiety is there with them or angst is there with them in terms of getting JJ McCarthy out there? Like how long? I, I, I guess to ask the question better is the leash for Cade McNamara before you start hearing some of the natives get restless and say throw McCarthy in there. <laughs> yeah, it, it won't take long. Uh, I've covered this even when it's not a five-star quarterback on the bench. It's you know pretty much first interception. Michigan fans are like, well, what's this backup guy got? You know, what, is, what does he bring? And so um, as far as the fan sentiment, yeah, I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of intrigue with, with McCarthy. I mean, just he, I mean, he is Michigan's best quarterback recruit since 2007. So, I mean, it's not like it's not unwarranted to, to be excited about him. Uh, you know, he's the first five-star since Ryan Mallett, uh, if that's as crazy as that is to say. But, you know, I think I think there is a little I think there's a little bit of trust in McNamara. He was, you know, his numbers don't end up looking good, but last year, you know, he had he had looked really good against Wisconsin, uh, looked really good against Rutgers, and then looked pretty good against Penn State. But then he had a separated shoulder, and he only completed eight of his next 22 passes. So I think the numbers look a little worse than than he was. But I think there's there's a little bit of trust. Uh, but, but you're absolutely right. I mean, if if they maybe not week one because I think they'll beat Western Michigan, but you know if they play Washington and Cade McNamara looks so so, uh, yeah, I mean there's a scenario where he's getting booed and they're chanting "We want JJ." That whole thing. I mean, a lot of you know, it, it, you guys have seen that story before, not just at Michigan but in other other programs as well. You know, fans fans will get restless very quickly in Ann Arbor. No doubt about it, man. New guy as the face of the defense, if you will, when it comes to the coordinator position. Don Brown, no longer there. What have you seen or what have you been hearing about this defense and where they are under a new D.C., uh, inching closer to the season? Yeah, yeah, I think Mike McDonald, I'm increasingly convinced that was a that was a good hire. I mean, he, he's younger, but, but I think, you know, having talked to people who remember his time at Georgia, having talked to people who – uh, have been affiliated with the Ravens. It, it sounds like this was, I mean, it sounds like they're getting McDonald a year or two before he becomes like the hot name. And I think, uh, you know, have heard, actually Jim Harbaugh even said, uh, McDonald was probably a DC in waiting in Baltimore, to, you know, for whatever that's worth. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I think he's really smart. I think he has really, uh, really diverse 
skill set. I mean, it, it says something that he has almost a decade of position coaching experience in the NFL, and he's only 34. Uh, so, you know, this was a guy who, who was identified very early on as, as, a, as a future star coach. And so, you know, players, they really like how much he teaches. You know, I think he's very fundamentally driven. He's not, he's not old school. He's a little bit more new school. They're, they're bringing in analytics. They're bringing in, you know, kind of biomechanics, film review, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, this is stuff that Don Brown wasn't doing at all. You know, Don, Don Brown was very much my way or the highway kind of coach. And I think, I think they hired a pretty solid staff around him. There's a couple question marks, but, you know, Steve Greenscale, who, um, has, you know, is an Ohio guy. He, he was at Kentucky. Sounds like he's really helped accelerate the buy-in to this to this coaching staff i think i think these are coaches that players want to play for want to work hard for you know it's i think the the days of coaches giving you all that tough love i think that's a little bit outdated and i think that's what michigan had a little bit of last you know past few years with their coaches and so i think this is a a younger staff i don't i don't think any clean scale is the oldest i think he's like 42 and so it's it's a younger staff but it's it's one that that has kind of i think the defensive culture I guess would be the word to use has, has changed a little bit. And I think there's a little bit of optimism and, and for a team that has a decent amount of talent, you know, they have, I think 22 defensive four or five star recruits or former, you know, blue chip recruits on their roster, uh, a little optimism, a little buy-in and, and maybe, maybe some coaches they can connect with. I mean, that can make a difference. Give him a follow on Twitter at underscore Zach Shaw. He covers Wolverine football for 24-7 sports. Uh, you talk about just the youth on this coaching staff. Another guy that they brought in, uh, Mike Hart, who people are familiar with in this listening audience, is the running backs coach for the Wolverines. Just in his short time or his short return to Ann Arbor, just what have you seen from him? And do you think the players have really kind of latched on to what Mike Hart's preaching and, and how they fix that run game? You know, I think – I'm always a little wary when former players are brought in. Obviously, Mike Hart was qualified, and they also brought in former Michigan receiver Ron Bellamy, who I think was pretty qualified. He just won a state title uh, at Division One level in Michigan, and so I think the thing that they've brought, you know, there is there. I could talk about the, the excitement, the optimism, you know, the, the scheming. I think the thing that they've brought is I think that they can they can both be. Uh, really, really important mentors for like what it means to be a Michigan football player. I think the first example I hear is, you know, they came into the building and, and they were wondering where the countdown clocks were for the Ohio State game. You know, those got taken down a few years ago and they were like, well, put them back up. Who cares? Who cares what, you know, the outsiders think? Who cares what the, what the recent record is? That's, that's got to be on their mind every single day. And, you know, there's all the uh, decals in Shen Beckler Hall now have, you know, what are you doing today to beat Ohio State? And so it's, you know, I think they brought that back. I think they brought the hatred for Michigan State. Any Michigan State fan remembers Mike Hart. He was the one who started the little brother uh, comment. And so, you know, I think, I think that they both kind of were, I mean, they were both a part of Big Ten championship teams too, so that doesn't hurt either. But, yeah, I think, I think the big thing is, you know, talking to a couple of the players, is they can, they can go to them for advice you know, on, on technical stuff, you know, how, to, how what's the best way to do a cut move, things like that. But then they can also go to them for like, hey, how do you handle this? How do you, you know, what, what did you guys do this past, or when you guys were off in the summer? You know, how did you guys get everyone together and get everyone to, to practice the way that they should be? So I think it's, it's a lot of little stuff. I think, you know, they obviously help with the game plan, with the techniques, but I think a lot of it is just having some former Michigan players who are part of some pretty good teams just being back in the building and, and working with these players every single day. 
We'll get you out of here on this one. I think from our perspective, there's a little bit of Harbaugh on the hot seat vibe, or has been here recently over the last couple of seasons. You're tapped into this program, obviously, from the fans that you connect with. What is their vibe around Harbaugh right now? I mean, the, the seat's hot, and it should be. You know, I mean, you can't go two and four uh, and, and expect to you know get a get a true extension. I mean, he got an extension, but it was really a pay cut with a lower buyout, which basically, uh, if you read between the lines a little bit, it's Michigan saying, "Hey, be do better. You know, be better at this job, or, or we're going to find someone else who will." So, yeah, it's definitely definitely a hot seat. I mean, I think there's there's a little there's a few reasons. I don't need to go into them in depth. But there's a few reasons that Michigan, as an administration, is kind of writing last season off as a bit of a fluke. You know, before that, he was averaging 9.4 wins a year. So it's got to be back to that. I mean, if they're going 7-5, and five, I think that the, the justification for Harbaugh is, is gone. I think that they would say a lot of coaches could go 7-5. and five. You know, they need someone who can, who can do a little bit better than that. So I think, I think there's a lot of eyes on him. I think that Washington game will be big. I think the Wisconsin game later in the month will be big. And, and you know, the fact is, for, you know, every once in a while, it's a bad season happens. But if you're in year seven and you have a second bad season in a row, that's on nobody but the head coach. And, and at that point, you just need a better head coach. So, yeah, he, the heat is on. Uh, Harbaugh's, you know, bringing a lot of energy, bringing a lot of optimism. I think they made some pretty good coaching hires. But the fact is, none of that matters if, unless, you're, unless you're winning some of these games. He's Zach Shaw. Michigan beat writer over at 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports as well. Zach, thanks so much for the season preview, man. I'm sure we'll tap in a couple times throughout the year. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. That's good stuff. It's time to roll. It's time to roll. Can't wait to see what the quarterback looks like, E, under Harbaugh this year. Incredible to think about Ryan Mallett being the last five-star quarterback, and he went to Arkansas first. Or Kansas. So for the quarterback whisperer, which I love that label because it doesn't feel like anybody who's been labeled that is actually one of those things. <laughs> but I want to see this become a rivalry again. And so oh. it's it, – can you please, Michigan, I implore you just to get it right this year. We got captains named over there at the Woody. We'll let you know who those guys are after this. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Rothman and Ice present Buckeye Bulletin. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the heat? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train systems, including 0% APR for 60 months. Artie, big time news coming at us over the weekend involving your Ohio State Buckeyes. Got your starting quarterback named Mm -hmm. in C.J. Stroud. And we also got some captains named as well. There are six of them. Thayer Munford, Chris Olave, Zach Harrison, Haskell Garrett, Taraja Mitchell, and Cameron Babb have all been chosen to lead the Buckeyes this season. It was interesting uh, uh, with our guest in the last segment, Zach Shaw. You can find that podcast of our interview with him wherever you do your fine podcasting that Michigan has yet to announce uh, their captains for the season. We are coming up uh, towards week zero. But for most of the, for me, most of these guys were no-brainers. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeremy Rucker could have, you know, made the case six captains, I think, a good number. You know, sometimes you get into the seven or eight and like, all right, what are we doing, guys? How many are going to go out there for the coin toss? Like as a football team, going back to what James says all the time about not lying to the locker room, the locker room knows who the leaders are. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily need to have that C on the chest. And sometimes the C on the chest is just a, hey, thank you for all you've done for this program. No doubt. For Olave, well, that's both. Yeah, he's been pretty good, hasn't he? He's been <laughs> Just all right. a little bit. He's been all right. The guy that jumps out to me is Taraja Mitchell mm-hmm. because of the unit, 
and where he plays. And that's a unit to where you lose Barron, you lose Tough, and you lose Pete. Guys who, look, there's been opinions all over the place when it comes to those guys and yes. how we've seen them play throughout their time here at Ohio State. But the one thing that was a positive last year when it comes to that unit was those guys have been around. Those guys are seasoned out there on the field. Ton of starts. This is a unit now at linebacker to where we don't know. We know these guys were highly thought of coming out of high school. We believe in the coaching that they have over there under Al Washington and all the veteran guys on that staff defensively. But these guys got to put it together and put it together fast, and especially there in those first couple weeks of the season. So Taraja Mitchell, man, remember the buzz around him. And no doubt, I'm not going to be surprised at all if this dude is a baller, no doubt. But that's a guy that's going to have to get that unit ready to go because there's going to be dudes flanking him or guys in you know playing a lot of snaps with him on that second level there that haven't done it a ton. Zach Harrison uh, is very interesting for me. A no-brainer just because of he was one of the guys that Ryan Day took with him to Indianapolis. There's been a lot of hype towards him. It's it kind of a, hey, you've had all this hype. You've looked the part. You've acted the part sometimes. Now we need you to consistently mm-hmm. act the part. You're going to have Haskell Garrett on the inside hoping to take a lot of pressure off the guys at the edges. Needs to start with Zach Harrison. Just a real quick thing. The AP Associated Press came out with their uh, preseason All-American roster. Did they? Okay. Yes. Chris Olave making it for the wide receivers on the first team. Haskell Garrett uh, for the defensive tackles on the defense. I'm just looking towards the second team now where I find Garrett Wilson okay. with the wide receivers. Him and John Mechie third on the second team. Joining Olave on the first team wide receiver core. Justin Ross, who you didn't hear about last season, but I expect him and DJ Uyunglele to have a very good connection yes. uh, for the Clemson Tigers. Kayvon Thibodeau, a guy Ohio State will see week two, <laughs> makes it for the defensive ends, and he, I believe, is everything they say him to be. That matchup mm. of Kayvon Thibodeau, and whether it's Thayer Mumford or Nicholas Petit Ferrer, Whatever offensive lineman, if they're, they're moving him up and down that defensive they line, whatever, which they, I'm assuming I'm with you, that that is going to happen against Oregon. That's going to be a make-a-lot-of-money day for either party. <laughs> for either, for either party, right? Because if they're Mumford or whatever offensive lineman really pops off the tape and they do some really good things against him, who a lot of people think he's going to be a top-10 pick probably easily when we get to the draft, that's going to be big time. Thayer Mumford comes back, uh, one of a handful of super seniors for mm-hmm. this team. So you get him back as a veteran. That absolutely is big time. So there are your captains for the 2021 season. If you missed E, roll them off. Thayer Mumford, Chris Olave, Zach Harrison, Haskell Garrett, Taraja Mitchell, and Cameron Babb. We had an injury involving the Bengals that has now looked like afforded an opportunity. Yeah. For former Buckeye. So Joseph Osai hurt his knee, I believe, in their first preseason game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's scheduled to have surgery on that meniscus uh, sometime either today or this week. But in that spot, uh, they're hoping that Noah Spence, former Buckeye, went to Eastern Kentucky. But he has been signed as a free agent to kind of fill that and. Hopefully, as, as a guy who's spent time on several different rosters to provide a presence that's got some experience and some production, um, that you know he can fill that, that role. You don't keep getting looks unless people think, maybe not highly of you, but see something in you that is attractive. Yes. And I think when you look at Noah Spence, his, he's always had that, that trait of, hey, that dude can be a heck of a defensive lineman. You just look at the dude. He always had that coming out of high school with how he was talked about and touted as a big-time recruit. So you keep getting these swings at it in the league. 
people are seeing something in you that they like. So we'll see what happens with no Spence down in the natty. That is today's Buckeye Bulletin. Top of the hour, we'll hit you with a deep dive. Very interesting comment from Shefty over the weekend about Dak Prescott. We'll dive into that and also NFL rolling through their top 100 players for the 2021 season. What's jumped out to us? Who are the guys remaining for the top 10? We'll tap into it next. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus. The Fan. Good afternoon. I'm Matt Andrews. The fourth round of the Northern Trust in Jersey City underway after weather suspension yesterday and delay today. Co-leaders John Rahm and Cameron Smith, 16 under par. They've just started their final round playing in groups of three. The Buckeyes practice again this morning, 10 days from the opener in Minnesota. Tonight's season kickoff show features Skip Mossick, Paul Keels, and Jim Lachey. They'll go around the Big Ten starting at six here on the fan. Big Ten announced today. The 21-22 academic and athletic year, if one of its members is unable to play due to COVID-19, that school will forfeit the game. There'll be no makeups. Off day in the Buckeye State for the Indians, Reds, and Clippers all resume tomorrow. This one's sponsored by the Franklin County Veterans Service Commission. Are you or a loved one a veteran of Franklin County? Visit vets.franklincountyohio.gov for more info on how the Franklin County Service Commission can help. Breaking sports news here on The Fan. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and I feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive. Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF slow price lock with U-Drive. Welcome back in. Maddie Ice, Eric Reese are hanging out with you today. Did you see this, uh, this Spider-Man situation that went down yesterday? I did not. So... CB, did you see this? So apparently yesterday, the the newest trailer for the latest installment of Spider-Man leaked on Twitter. Somehow, someway, all over social media. And Sony has been panicking. Yeah. Trying to get this thing under wraps. And it looks like they've blocked this thing and it's no longer out there. But somehow, someway, the trailer for the newest Spider-Man leaked and it was uh, it's obviously a huge deal now did you watch it i did not watch it so the latest is called spider-man no way home sure and it looks like it's supposed to come out in the middle of december i've enjoyed the revamp of the new spider-man's under tom holland the dude is winning right now bank account is through the roof attached to the marvel series and all that and his work with iron man now he's the face of the spider-man uh series there but yeah this is a big deal yesterday that this thing leaked you're i think going to get in this newest spider-man all three actors who've played the role since 2000 tommy mcguire andrew garfield if i'm saying his name correctly and then tom holland oh really and i think baddies from the tommy mcguire series like dr octopus and the hobgoblin so or the green goblin or whichever one willem dafoe played i do think are also making uh, a return for some reason okay i don't know why okay all right no i just wanted to see if you guys were up to date on it. i just saw this was a big deal yesterday the new spider-man trailer so so it's sony's fault is what we're thinking because i don't I, know if marvel's been really bad with leaks of trailers uh, it feels like sony because sony has venom and i think they've had some issues there with leaks mm-hmm. like they show these at screenings or they show these at fan comic cons you can't ask for phones 
It's a great question. Like, come on in, but yeah. put your phone in this basket. Yeah, I mean, Derek Jeter question. did it for decades, so yeah. why can't a big studio like Sony? So, so, wow. Okay, so if that came out over the weekend, Sony yeah. had a pretty bad couple of days with the Mike Richards Jeopardy situation and yes. then with their biggest movie of the year potentially <laughs> getting <Leaked>. snatched. <laughs> That's a problem. Oops. That's absolutely a problem. I do want to hit a Comic-Con, though. That's like all my bucket, it's a bucket list. list. Yeah, I want to go to... All of them are the same, right? Movies, TV shows. It's all under the Nerd same convention. umbrella. Yeah, I, I need to hit that because I know when I was really in my Game of Thrones bag, mm-hmm. like an every Sunday thing, reading articles all over the place, James and I and Bo just talking about this like mad scientists left and right. That was something. They have their own con, like a Game of Thrones con. Probably. That was there's, just absolutely through. There's a something con for everybody, yeah. it feels uh, like. And probably right. Back to the Mike Richards with Sony thing. I think yeah. there was an interview either taped or released last week by Aaron Rodgers that said if Sony had been had give, had offered him the job of Jeopardy or the Jeopardy executive producers had offered him the job and said, we'll work around your schedule, he would have taken it. Okay. And so with the Mike Richards stuff coming down uh, late in the week – my thing is for Sony, work around his schedule. Like, yeah. that's your PR. Like, that's your counter. Okay, Mike Richards, the whole thing, it was a mess. Yeah. Here's Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to make it work. Because right. that gets everybody going, okay, they made a good move. Oh, my goodness. Huge shoes to fill doing that job. Yeah, I mean, oh it's very difficult it's, replacing oh, a legend my goodness. like Alex Trebek. Let's get into some football. Because we talked, touched on very vaguely last week the latest on Dak yep. and how concerned we would be and I think that was Wednesday coming off the latest Hard Knocks episode where Dak kind of throws out hey I'm on a pitch count man I'm on a pitch count combine him saying that with the team throwing out this statement tweet, about the MRI hey, everything over here is fine but your star quarterback who we just paid 66 million dollars at signing bonus uh-huh. he's got to go get an MRI why are you telling us that's not a big deal it's a problem mm-hmm. so Friday night ESPN had a preseason game, cook it up. Can't remember who was playing. I think the Rams and somebody. It doesn't matter. And Shefty's on the broadcast, and he drops this. Quote, he's not fully back. He may not be back all season long. So now this has gone from shoulder soreness, just take a couple days off, mm-hmm. to the first episode of Hard Knocks where Dak's telling Mike McCarthy, I can't follow through. He's doing some light tossing. Over the last week and a half or so, You've seen highlights come out to where he's, you know, obviously taking snaps and soft tossing football. Doing his little salsa dance. Of course, doing the little hip thrust and all that. But now we get this from Schefter that this isn't a, hey, this may take a couple weeks or week one when they take on Tom Brady and company. He's not going to be 100%. When you drop a, he may not be back all season long. Okay, now I'm really concerned about this. It was, he said it just innocuously during a preseason, during the halftime of a preseason game on Friday night. So I don't know how many people there were actually paying attention to the things said because it's Friday night. It's a preseason game that only two fan bases really care about. But this got picked up as it gained more traction. And at face, I was like, "Uh oh, he may not be back all season. What does that mean? And then reading the entire context of the quote was like, we might not be back to full Dak Mm -hmm. all season long. So while he may start for the Cowboys week one. I, and I'm, I'm not confident that that's going to be the case. He's never going to return, or he's not going to, at least this year, return to the deck that earned him that gigantic bag of cash. Right. And that's difficult because he's coming off an entire offseason rehabbing the leg. We, I think his, both of his ankles have been surgically repaired in the past. Yeah, and then, two this year. That was the first was nugget this year. The, he said in the first episode of Hard Knocks. He said nobody knows this. We had two surgeries this offseason. I don't know how that made the how that didn't hit the cutting room floor, like how you let that slip in the hard knocks broadcast. But 
Then with the shoulder thing, it's like, okay, so he's dealing with a ton of different injuries at different places, or he's dealing with rehab, and that's where the bulk of his time's going. So the time that he's spent on that is the time he's not getting to to throw to CD Lamb, the time mm-hmm. he's not getting, you know, that that continuity that he had with his wide receivers before getting injured or, a, you know, a retooled offensive line. He doesn't have time to take snaps from them because he's, you know, doing salsa dances without a football over at the side of the field where the ouchie players go. Right. If he gets an off season after this year where he's just able to focus on that and the rehab's gone well, maybe if you're the Cowboys, you, you just say, okay, it's probably not going to work this year. We're going to try and see what we can get out of you, but maybe that pitch count goes into the regular season for his health in the future. Because you made a huge investment in this oh, guy goodness. that you can't just let people's fears and anxieties push you to do something rash now. They've played three preseason games already because they were in the Hall of Fame game. Yep. They get one more this Saturday against Urban and company. Can't imagine no. we're going to see him at all. And I think that makes sense. But then you're talking about, hey, he's got to get ready to go against the champs. The champs that didn't lose a single soul. This offseason, coaching staff, offense, defense, special special teams, same squad that hoisted up the trophy is the same squad you're getting down in Dallas, uh, excuse me, down in Tampa mm-hmm. on ring night. And so why that's interesting to me is because when you talk about how special their defense was last year and probably will be again this season is how does that affect the game plan for both parties defensively. I think when you look at Todd Bowles and how aggressive he was last year and has been as a defensive coordinator, that ain't going to change. So put as much pressure on Dak as you can that, Hey, let's bring the house. Let's stack the box against Zeke. Let's see if four can beat us over the top. Let's see where this arm strength is. So I think that's very interesting because that's going to put, I think, Dak in an interesting situation to where, hey, Levante David and these guys up front and Dominican Sue and company for Tampa, they're putting pressure on the rushing attack, but also Dak in a blitzing format. How is his ankle going to respond? Is he ready? How are both ankles going to respond? Is he ready to break out of those situations and contribute in the rushing attack? So while this may not be huge news down in Dallas and they may be selling to everyone that everything's going to be okay, I'm not there. I am not there at all, and I think their week one matchup um, can really put this thing in a bad situation as far as how it looks because their defense is so good. What for the first time in a long time feels like is they have a healthy offensive line. Mm -hmm. And if Ezekiel Elliott is coming off an offseason where he's lost a bunch of weight and says he feels like he's in, I mean, this is such a tired thing that players say, I'm in the best shape ever. Great. (laughs) If that's the case, then week one against the defending champions, yes, they have a really good rush defense, but we're going to test that against our healthy offensive line and a healthy Ezekiel Elliott so that whoever we put out there, maybe that lessens the pressure that Dak has to feel going into week one, and maybe it's back to Gucci Danucci. Mm -hmm. And then he's just able to, all you got to do, Gucci, and I don't know if they call him Gucci or they just stick with Ben. Yeah, but he I think he, there was the I, I did finally see the hard knocks thing just to digress real quick. And he was like told you got to fix your drip, dude. And he's just like regular guy looking out there. And they go over to Dak uh, and Dak's got the sweatshirt on and the yeah, armband. And they're yeah. like, Ben, you don't even have an armband. It's like this is what we're this is what we're doing, huh? So maybe you just lean on your your offensive line and yeah. your all pro running back yep. to get the job done or to at least make it a competitive game. So you're not out there watching your your seventy five million dollar man get his ass kicked when he's coming off of three repairs of a leg in 12 months. Hopefully he's ready to go. And hopefully oh. uh, eventually we get him to a hundred percent. But if you want to take Shefty uh, for, for his word there, it may be an all season long to where a season long thing where Dak may not feel right. I love the top 100 list in the NFL. 
because it takes us a little bit into the mind of the players and how they view some guys that they have to go to battle with yes. or up against week in and week out. I'll hit you with the Buckeyes because we don't have the full list of 100 yet. I think this weekend they'll round out the top 10 there. Marshawn Lattimore comes in at 86. Michael Thomas, 72. Chase Young, 61. Corey Lindsley at 60. Cam Hayward at 57. And Joey B, the Big Bear, coming in at 32. Not surprised that you've got Buckeyes literal all over this thing. But I, I think for me right now, if I had to put money on a defensive player of the year, I'd feel good and betting my money on Chase Young. But I think the one guy to me that is going to be very important this year for his squad is Corey Lindsley. Yep. This was a big deal. And up they there, paid him like it. No doubt. And this was a big deal up in Green Bay because that was a decision they had to make. We paying Aaron Jones. We paying Corey Lindsley. And now Corey Lindsley slides out to the West Coast and is in front of probably the most hyped up player in the league right now as young guys go and Justin Herbert. That's now the guy that's got so much buzz around him. They've also went out and they drafted Rashawn Slater and they really addressed that offensive line. I still think he's going to play at a very high level. And I think the things that he's going to be able to do for a young quarterback are going to be very important and big time for them. So it's ironic. Former Buckeye, Corey Lindsley, he leaves Green Bay, goes out to San Diego, excuse me, the Chargers, Los Angeles, and now he is the guy up front protecting their young guy. And now former Buckeye is up in Green Bay protecting Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and Josh Myers. So weird how all that came full circle. But of the Buckeyes, man, that have been ranked already, I can't wait to see. And I know it's not sexy offensive line stuff all the time, but it's so important, man. Can't wait to see the impact that he has on that team. But the one thing I was looking at is just in this, I was like, where's Noah Bosa? And then I remembered, of course, he missed all of last season and it'll be Interesting to see if if he can be fully healthy and if he can be as productive as he was before he got injured. That 49ers team, if they can figure out the quarterback situation, which I do kind of think might be a situation now, they're going to kick a lot of people's ass. Oh my Because that 49ers defensive front, at least, and I'm not going to go too much further because I don't need to, is the best in the league. Right. Healthy. Yeah. So he it would be would be interesting. Fully healthy Nick Bosa comes from not ranked to top twenty. Potentially top 30. He's got the ability to no doubt lead the league in sacks. Mm -hmm. There could be two former Buckeyes that I'm not going to be surprised at all. If they win defensive player of the year, Chase Young and Nick Bosa, Mm -hmm. those two guys, because both of them, I think are in situations where their team's going to be good enough to where they're not going to be an afterthought. And especially when you talk about Washington potentially in that NFC East with San Francisco, that's going to be a heck of a division, man. The NFC West, that's, I cannot wait to see what that looks like. But that's it, man. That was such an L for them, and they felt that right away, right? You talk about all the other injuries, but not having Nick Bosa there uh, absolutely was a hit for them. So we'll roll through some of the rest of the list maybe tomorrow and into uh, the weekend as they roll out the top 10. But I love this stuff, man. NFL Top 100 is fun, fun stuff. Fun stuff for us is chopping it up with CB. He'll hop on next for Tell the Truth. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Rossman and Ice is sponsored by your local Pella Window and Door showroom on Gemini Parkway. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. CB, let's roll. Yeah, so there's been a really weird vibe around A.J. Brown this entire offseason coming off not one but two knee procedures on each of his knees. And he's been kind of slow to go. He missed some OTAs and uh, some of the camp early on in July. But my question to you is, is that 
He's expected to be ready for week one, but that is not a guarantee by the way that's worded. He went out and did some stretching today for practice, but then went into the locker room for who knows what. So my question to you is, he's there at the 2-3 turn. Are you nervous to take him? I am. I was nervous last year. Had A.J. Brown on one of my fantasy teams and going through this weekly with him, in or out, when he was in, how much work is he going to get? It was not fun. And now we're here with all the new information CB just hit us with. I was a little open to A.J. Brown this year without Julio Jones. Now Julio Jones is in the mix, and now you're pairing that with these type of injuries. I'm concerned. Over 100 targets a year ago, pulled in 70 of them, having him on your team. E for me last year was like, okay, you're looking for that five receptions, 85 yards, and a touchdown type of line. Not a guy that's going to rack up nine, ten catches per week like some of these elite receivers can do. So when you combine the injuries – with one of the all-time greats now in the fold and them being a run-first team, yeah, I can see why that ADP is sliding. I'm good with that. Yeah, he would be a guy for me. Everything, Maddie, that you just said would be a, a wide receiver that I would try to get later rounds that I could start on weeks that my starters have buys or a guy I could dangle out there for trade bait in the event that he maybe comes together late in the season because you're saying he's got a procedure on both of his knees. Maybe how good did he look stretching today? Like these are those are also maybe important questions. But in all seriousness, uh, I would not want to bet the house on that. And that, my boy, is a damn truth. All right. So all of the rookie quarterbacks have looked very, very good. Lance Fields, Mac Jones, they've all had some bright spots in this preseason. So my question to you is, who has looked the most game ready for Week One? Fields and Jones should start, but Trey Lance to me has looked the part. And I, I doubt he will because they have the Jimmy Garoppolo situation and they gave him a large wad of cash. And I, I don't necessarily think that they want to get involved in that. But and, and maybe this could be the recency bias. Hmm. I've just watched Trey Lance do really, really well in the 49ers preseason game. It was yesterday. So I, I want to say Trey Lance. I'm going I, to do what you got to do, mm-hmm. man. I'm going to roll with. Man, this is tough because I'm with you. I was tapped in yesterday. Saw some good things from Trey Lance. They were picking that game, too. But, man, some of those throws he was making were lights out. CB told me this morning, what, CB, he's got the most drops so far? Yeah, his receivers have had the most drops from his passes out of any quarterback in the preseason. So there you go. But to me, it's Justin Fields. Like, to me, it's the guy that all along, to me, should have been the week one starter and a guy that I knew (laughs) was going to be ready for week one. He is ready to go contributed over the weekend i think four uh, rushes for 46 yards that element you're not getting from andy dalton at all so to me the most game ready right now is justin fields but if cam newton didn't have the game that he had in the latest preseason the noise would be loud coming out of new england because mac jones was balling but i'll hit you with justin fields just remember it's not a lie if you believe it. Okay, the Daily Fan Poll sponsored by Record Ford is how many touchdowns will CJ Stroud throw this season? Is it 15 or under, 16 to 20, 21 to 29, or 30 plus? Boy, I think 15 or under is a given. I'd probably even say 16 to 20 to me feels like a gift. I'm going to go, let's go 30 plus. The dude's got the best wide receiver duo in the entire land. And 
the way people talk about this guy or have talked about this guy since he came out of high school is he's a guy that's going to put the ball on the money. He's going to be dotting things up this entire year. Under Ryan Day, I think the explosive plays are going to be there. You're going to have a handful of games or a couple games where he racks up, maybe a handful of touchdowns in those games. I'm going to go a little crazy here. I'm going 30-plus. I don't even know if that's crazy. Give me 30-plus. I'm going to agree with 30-plus, but I don't know how much over 30 we're going to be getting here. In 2019, in Fields' first year, he threw 41 touchdown passes. Okay. And in a bridged season last year, he had 22. So I'm just going based off of that. The yeah. uh, Trey Sermon thing might have helped factor into Fields' touchdown throws if he had emerged earlier than we than kind of everybody thought Sermon would. But, yeah, I'm going to go 30-plus, but it, it's not like the 41 that Fields had in 19. The truth? It's overrated. And the final one I have for you today is so would you rather? Would you rather swim in a pool full of Nutella or a pool full of maple syrup? Well, if we're talking about swimming, I'm going with the maple syrup because I feel like Nutella is just way too dense. So you're not swimming in there so much as you're just trying to, like, claw around it. Quick sand vibes in there. <laughs> really? Quick sand vibes in there. These both are awful, yes. CB. This is an Good experience question. that I do not want to f- ever have to find out how bad of a time this is there's no way this is a good time can't imagine now you know some people may really like nutella i've actually never had nutella so do yourself a favor and try it and this is some type of chocolate hazelnut spread hazelnut Mm -hmm. spread let me get it right put some respect on nutella's name better um but yeah i'll roll with the maple syrup all day long man nutella i think he laid it out well it's too uh too thick cb to get this also kind of a question of what would you rather drown in because neither of you just like swimming around or doing the doggy paddle i think i would rather go by maple syrup (sighs) nutella just then i I would insult myself and my ancestors because i died by (laughs) chocolate hazelnut spread and the truth shall set you free so maple syrup has me thinking about breakfast give me Mm. eric reeser's ultimate breakfast if you could pick it the last time you could ever have breakfast in your life oh okay that's easy what is this meal looking like so i don't know uh if you are familiar with market day but uh common man and i had this conversation last week about uh the market day uh, cookie dough that would come in the tubs and obese eric as a child would sit there on his couch and just eat scoops Mm, out of it yes the french toast dippers for market day to this day, are the most undefeated breakfast food item you can have. Burger King tried to do something similar, but it was never as good as the ones that Market Day offered. And I think Market Day is in rest in peace mode. But if you could cook me up some of those or find them somewhere, yeah, that would be what I want. I'm going to hit you with a Maple hot take too. here. I'm going to hit you with a hot take. After pancakes, French toast sticks are the best main course breakfast item, if you will. Out there wrong. to me, not big on waffles. They're okay. They're okay. They're fine. But give me pancakes and some French toast sticks, yeah. or even over French toast, I'm in. Because when you started talking about that, it took me back to my childhood, man. French mm-hmm. toast sticks were the way. That was what you did. You can get them out the freezer, put them in the oven, like whatever you need to do, get that. A little powdered sugar CB, some maple syrup. It's a win right there. Absolutely, a win. I want to get into this Nutella stuff. You got what do you do with that? Like fruit, you can spread it, pretzel yeah. sticks. Like if you're if you're health conscious ish, I know I'm going to use air quotes there. You can dip strawberries in it. <laughs> okay. but yeah, you put it on pretzels, cookies. <sighs> Some people do it. You get toast if you're feeling that okay. sort of way. All right, all right. No, it's it's look. So Nutella's good. Yeah, but I'm not saying run right out after this show and go, and get, go it. get it. Fair enough. If you're in the supermarket next time and you're saying I'd like to try it, get like the small little guy, little sample. And just sampler. see what you think. I like that.
Let's talk some Ohio State football after this. Bill Rabinowitz, Ohio State football beat writer over at the Dispatch Hop Song. We got a quarterback one, we got captains, and we got a season that is around the corner. We'll chop it up with him after this. It's Rothman and Ice right here on the fan. Sports talk, well done. Just like Maddie enjoys his steak, you're listening to Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in. We're going to head out to the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Talk to our guy, Bill Rabinowitz, Ohio State football beat writer over at the Dispatch. Bill, how you doing, man? I'm good. How you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. Got the official announcement from Coach Day. C.J. Stroud is the QB1 for the 2021 version of the Buckeyes. What are you expecting from C.J. Stroud, Bill? Well, you know, it's interesting because we haven't really seen him play. Um, I, I know what people have said about him. I'm, I'm curious to see. Um, you know, I don't think people should expect him to be Justin Fields right away. But I think that he there's every reason to think he'll be good. Um, for one thing, he's got a great team around him. And you think about, about the wide receivers he has, the offensive line he has, the tight end, uh, a deep running back group. You know, this is the kind of thing where if you can just kind of do what you're supposed to do and get the ball to the people you're supposed to, uh, you'll be fine. Bill, I, I'm interested about uh, Jack Miller, Quinn Ewers, and Kyle McCord and how that battle at the, the backup spot kind of how that shakes up. And I don't necessarily know, and I'll, this is this will be my question, is do you think it matters who's named backup week one against Minnesota in the grand scheme of things? Not really. And look, I think there's every chance that nobody will be declared number two. I think it might be in Ryan Day's interest to keep them guessing. And now, look, it's not going to be Quinn Ewers. Uh, he just got here, and he's, he's actually not practicing right now. He's got some kind of minor injury. So it's between McCord and, and Miller. Um, and uh, he never really named a backup last year. So I would not be surprised if he kind of followed the same thing. Like, let's keep these guys guessing. Uh, not guessing that to toy with them, but get, uh, but keep them on their toes and say, okay, you know, from week to week, it could be you, it could be you. Um, and keep it an open competition. And the same goes, honestly, for, for C.J. Stroud. All they said was he will start against Minnesota. Beyond that, there are no promises. As he said, it's an opportunity. It's not an accomplishment. So uh, the pressure still on C.J. Stroud. It's, it's the beginning, not the end. And, and we'll see where it goes. It's a long season. We, we've seen in the past that Ohio State's gone through, different, you know, gone through multiple quarterbacks in a year. Um, it, it'll be fascinating to watch. I'm, I'm not sure, though, that I've ever heard of a program that had four freshman quarterback the caliber of these guys. It's, it's really probably unprecedented. Bill Rabinowitz, our guest, he covers the Buckeyes for the Columbus Dispatch. Give him a follow on Twitter at BR Dispatch. He joins the Buckeyes, Rothman and Ice, excuse me, courtesy the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Bill, with the, the NCAA allowing four games for players to, to have some action in before they have to take that red shirt, just what do you see with the games following Oregon? I, I, I don't imagine that they're going to be too much in the way of reps for other quarterbacks week one or week two, but weeks three and four and kind of in that middle part of the season, how do you see Ryan Day kind of using those games to see what he has with all of his quarterbacks in live fire game situations? Yeah, that's, that's going to be fascinating to watch. And some of it may depend on how pleased they are with C.J. Stroud, whether they believe he's, he needs every rep he can get or whether they feel comfortable with him and say, okay, who, who might be next? Um, it, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, I, I don't, you know, my guess is that, my, that Kyle McCord would be the number two guy. That's just my guess. Um, I think that they don't want to lose him. Um, and look, 
they're going to lose a minimum of two guys at the end of the year. It's unrealistic to think that all four guys or even three of those guys are going to stay, uh, considering that they're freshmen and they could play almost anywhere else in the country. So, you know, I don't think there's really much risk of anybody leaving immediately because where would they go and have a chance to play right away this year? Probably nowhere. So it, it makes sense for them to stay for this year. But when when the season's over, there's it, I think it's going to actually be fairly obvious by then what the pecking order is, maybe not to the outside world, but certainly inside that quarterback room. Um, but, I, I, you know, to your question, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen against – Let's say Akron, if it's 42 nothing at halftime. I would imagine that all of those guys will get reps at some point. How it's divvied up will be will depend on probably how they're practicing. Bill, an interesting unit for me is this running back room because obviously there's talent in that room under Tony Alford. I think you can obviously expect some good things. But on a down yeah, to no down-to-down yeah, down series-to-series kind of basis here, where are you right now with – is there a lead dog in your mind? Are you leaning more towards maybe two to three guys contributing this year? Just your overall feel right now in the running back room. Yeah, it's a good question. Again, if, if we were if this were the NFL, we'd have a better idea because we would have actually seen these guys play. You know, we're, we're kind of guessing and going by what people say. Um, I would guess that Master T, given the fact he's the the incumbent, that that he will start against Minnesota. Um, you know, I think he's a very good north-south runner. Whether he has truly added that wiggle to his game, we'll wait and see. I mean, he doesn't strike me as – I think he is who he is. Um, but we'll see. Um, I, I really – the guy I'm, I most want to see is Travion Henderson. I just think you – know, you watch his YouTube highlights and you just kind of go, wow. And I asked Tony Alford last week, you know, have you seen those wow plays in training camp? And he said, yeah, um, there are things you can't teach. And I think he's got that. Uh, but there are others. Mayan Williams played very well in limited action last year. They really like him. Marcus Crowley's now healthy. He's he's legitimately, uh, you know, a candidate. He gets some, some snaps. Uh, they like um, the other freshman, Evan Pryor. So usually you say we want a, a pair and a spare. Well, they've got two pair and a spare. they got five guys that if, they, if any of them went in the game, you know, Pryor probably less so, but the other four, be like, okay, you know, I can, I can see that. Um, I'm, but I really want to see Henderson play. Bill Rabinowitz, our guest, covers the Buckeyes for the Columbus Dispatch. When Ryan Day talked today about them being pretty close to having that offensive line short up, you have uh, NPF at the left tackle, Thayer at left guard, Harry Miller at center, Paris Johnson Jr. at right guard, and then Dewan Jones at right tackle. Just when he says pretty close, is that not saying in stone, but also saying it? Kind of, yeah. I would think <laughs> that it would depend on, you know, if there's an injury between now and, and uh, the Minnesota game, which is 10 days away. Uh, he also praised Matt Jones, who is a real candidate to play left guard, which would obviously shuffle things and go back to the, the original uh, configuration that we expected, which would be uh, Nicholas petit at right tackle and, and Thayer Montfort at left tackle. But the way it sounds right now, I think the way you described it's probably the way it's going to line, they're going to line up against Minnesota. Taraja Mitchell was named one of the six captains this year, and Bill, as you know, that's a linebacking unit that lost a lot, at least as far as snaps go, and guys that have been around for a little bit with the three guys that left that room. 
these linebackers now, man, uh, have some shoes to fill, have some experience to gain along the way. Any worry in your mind that that may take some time to develop on the field and we may see some speed bumps uh, from that linebacking unit? Well, I, I would. If you don't have that concern, I think you're just kind of delusional. Not to say that that the linebackers will be a problem; they could be a strength. But when you lost, when you lose four guys like you lost with Pete Warner, Tough Borland, Baron Browning, and and uh, Justin Hilliard, those guys played almost all the meaningful snaps the last several years. And so the Trojan Mitchells and guys like that, they they've been waiting. Dallas Gantt, they've been waiting. You know, are they ready? Uh, they say they are, but, but you know, again, we just don't know. We won't know until they play. I think a guy like Cody Simon could be really uh, a major factor there. They like Tommy Eichenberg. I mean, they've got guys. It's just a matter of they haven't had a chance to prove it. Will they be? I mean, they might be great. Maybe they won't be. I, there's just no way to know. But I know that they they feel good about where that unit is, um, and we're just going to wait and see. Bill, some college football landscape news that should hit sometime this week if we believe the reports from late last week about the uh, conference alliance between the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big Ten. Just what are your thoughts on that, and what do you expect this week, if anything, uh, from an announcement regarding those three conferences? Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not following it that closely because I've got a team to cover. (laughs) So that's more of a long-term thing that I just can't devote a lot of time to. Um, I think it makes sense because it's pretty clear the SEC kind of views itself as a league apart and the kings of college football and then to go and get Texas and Oklahoma, uh, that kind of makes the Big 12, I don't say irrelevant, but it certainly puts their puts their future in doubt. And so the other conferences are looking at the SEC going, well, this is their power play. We better join forces in some form to to make sure we don't get left out or we don't get kind of second second class status. And so... Um, yeah, I am curious to see how it, how it shakes out. I remember years ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago, the the Big Ten and the Pac-12, maybe even been the Pac-10 then, I don't remember, uh, they had they had agreed to some kind of scheduling arrangement where they play each other, and then that fell through. Um, so I think that, that will be a part of it. Um, it. College football is going to look radically different in two or three, certainly five years than it does now. I think I'd be just guessing if I were to predict how it will look different. But even if you look at what's happened in the last couple of years with NIL and some of this other stuff, I mean, it's it's a different world, and the landscape is going to continue to shift. I, I don't know exactly how, but it's not going to be the way it is. The NCAA will become more and more irrelevant, I think, and uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. He's Bill Rabinowitz, Ohio State football beat writer. Over at the Dispatch, Bill, we're getting close, man. Thanks so much, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you along the way. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. We got a prize to give away. We got a prize to give away right now. Winner receives a pair of tickets to James Taylor with special guest Jackson Brown playing at Nationwide Arena on Saturday, December 11th. Beat the box office for your tickets. 614-821-9710 is our phone number. I'm going to make this easy for our wonderful listeners today. How many days away are we from Ohio State and Minnesota? Getting it going in the Big Ten. Hit up CB. 614-821-9710 is our phone number. Hit him up, and you will be going 
to that concert in December. When we come back, it's NFL two-minute drill time. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. It's time for the NFL two-minute drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today. All right, before we get to an NFL two-minute drill, CB, who was the winner? Yeah, congrats to Kelly in Columbus. She got it right away at the number 10 spot. Kelly, thanks for listening. First of all, congratulations. Enjoy that James Taylor and Jackson Brown experience on Saturday, December 11th. And that's not the only pair. Of tickets we're going to give away. We'll be giving them away all week long right here on The Fan and Rothman and Ice. So please join us. I'm interested to see what tonight looks like for the Saints. Because this quarterback situation is big. And I know Sean Payton's come out and he says or he has said that he hopes that they will have an announcement for us on Saturday as far as who their starting quarterback is going to be. And I was thinking about this the other day when it comes to the Saints and if you roll with Taysom do you lose Jameis and what I mean by that is you know if Jameis starts you can always sprinkle in what Taysom does if it's the other way I think you lose the majority of what Jameis Winston brings to the table I am a believer And Jameis Winston getting off the mat. I'm not sitting here saying that he's totally going to clean up all the interceptions. I think at his core, that's who Jameis Winston is. He's a risk taker. He's a gunslinger. He's a guy that wants to fit the football into some tight windows. So with that is going to come some turnovers. So I hope that Jameis gets this thing because if he doesn't win, I don't know how much Jameis we're going to see on the field. Zero. If it's Taysom Hill, yeah, this isn't like some gimmick quarterback that you can bring in as I kind of thought Taysom has been for the past couple of years. This strikes me as where there's a lot of ego in the NFL. And so Sean Payton, I think, to prove that he was right about Taysom Hill all along, that's going to be the guy that they start under center, and they're going to keep Jameis as locked in or dialed in as they possibly can. The Michael Thomas situation, I think, also has a big thing to do with it. Because Jameis's biggest strength is his arm strength. Mm -hmm. And without a deep threat or a serious deep threat to help showcase that, He's dinking and dunking with a lot of that as aggressive as Jameis has been. You get, oh, no, Jameis, more than you get, oh, no, Jameis. And he just throws it to the other team. And we haven't seen, you know, Taysom Hill do that because we haven't seen much of Taysom when he's, you know, having to make those decisions on second down or third down Mm -hmm. when it's shorter, when you got five yards to go and you try to force a ball that gets picked six the other way. So I I do think that, that Sean Payton is, because NFL coaches do this, will try to make himself seem like the smartest person in the room and go with Taysom. But You know, tonight's interesting for both teams and their quarterbacks. Don't know how much we'll see of those guys, but if these guys are going to suit up, this is a big, big moment within the preseason for all and just NFL fans in general to see who's going to take hold of this job. Funny story coming out of the athletic this weekend involving the Raiders. Yeah, what a weird. And apparently last year, the Raiders made a phone call up to Chi-Town to see if they could work out a deal for Khalil Mack. Wait a minute. You guys are the ones that got rid of Khalil Mack. Yeah, it was John Gruden didn't want him. And now you're saying we want him back. Look, a couple of the first-round picks that they have, that they've used in return, have turned into Josh Jacobs, which I think has worked out pretty well for them. Another one turned into Damon Arnett, and that's a former Buckeye. It's got a lot of pressure on him to deliver yep. this year and to, to deliver fairly early on in the season because that was a surprise for a lot of people. 
taking Damon Arnett. I think we saw what he was capable of, dealt with some injuries on his way out. Here it is last year at Ohio State, but a lot of eyes are going to be on Damon Arnett. But this story coming out from the Athletics, very interesting. It was what? It doesn't say exactly when, but before free agency. So that this kind of sounds like it was the Raiders kind of getting desperate and saying, oh, we really got to. Are we going to do something to shore up our defense? And maybe a coach said, how about that guy you gave away? It's pretty how about, good. How about that dude? Pretty yeah, good. I didn't think he was very good, but turns out he's really good. And so it's silly on the Raiders, but I guess props to Gruden for kind of you know, having to eat some crow and, and go back to the Bears sure. and say, can we get him back, please? I like when NFL teams admit they're wrong. Yes. In the same way the Rams did with Jared Goff. Yeah. We paid him the bag. Look, it's not really Close taking us to where we want to be. Let's get that out of here and get a quarterback in Matthew Stafford who we think can take our quarterback room to the next level. Last little nugget coming out of Indy, Carson Wentz, Quentin Nelson, both those guys, excuse me, back at practice. So we'll see if those guys can go week one, but the time frame was five to 12 weeks for both of them with the same exact foot injury there. And this is very encouraging if you're a Colts fan. And uh, we talk about Damon Arnett with a lot of pressure on him. Mm -hmm. That's times 100 when it comes to Carson Wentz. I guess it's better news that Quentin Nelson's healthy for the uh, the Colts because they got a pair of quarterbacks that I think could do pretty well. I'm not really high on Carson Wentz anymore. Yeah. I was coming out. But now, yeah, I think you get Quentin Nelson back at that right guard spot because he's, he's aggressive and mean. And I, I think some attitude is exactly what the Colts need if they'd like to be successful this year. Quentin Nelson's a problem. That dude is absolutely yeah. a monster along the defensive line. That was today's NFL two-minute drill. We've le- reached the finish line. E. Thanks for filling in. Good stuff today. Thank you for having me. CB, great job as always. Listeners, thanks for giving us some of your time. We'll be back tomorrow at high noon. It's been Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan.